So literally, as soon as he opens the top, he's caught, and it's very embarrassing. <laughs> um, however, I don't really understand how they didn't hear someone climbing on the rover. Like, how long has that person just been sitting crisscross applesauce <laughs> on top of the rover just waiting for them to right. go? Hello, and welcome to Hour the Hundred podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and artist, although by the time this comes out, I'll be 26. <laughs> I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, like, what was the last, like, piece of art that made you cry, a la Jasper, this episode? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, well, to be perfectly honest, I'm crying constantly. <laughs> crying right now. There's... We are- water signs. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a whole story throughout my life of like the fact that I really do think I was like kind of brainwashed in theater school, but we can get into that some other time. (laughs) Uh, So I'm constantly crying. Um, I would say that like the one that comes to mind though is recently on Riverdale when, um, (laughs) Like, one of my, one of the characters that I liked, wasn't a good person, to be clear, um, but got murdered in a really terrible way. And then another one of my favorite characters uh, was just, just turned out to be a really crappy person for literally no reason, mm-hmm. storytelling-wise. Yeah. And so after that episode, I think I cried for, like, hour and a half, two hours, just, like, being sad. I don't know. <laughs> you were there. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. I respect you. It was understandable. Yeah. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. I'm a senior writer and social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Um, the last piece of art that made me cry. Oh, yeah. So like, sorry I called Riverdale art. But uh, <laughs> maybe I feel it in my soul. Yeah, I was like, wait, did I call Riverdale art? Mm, yeah, I did. And I stand by it. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. I agree. The last piece of art that made me cry was the uh, Star Trek Discovery season finale for season three. I think every episode in season three made me cry at some point. But like during the season finale, I um I've been getting my like Fitbit steps every day for like a half a year, and so I was like doing my steps while watching the disco finale with Brittany and Emily. And um, I just started crying in the middle of the finale and like walking back and forth while still just sobbing my eyes out because it was just so good. It makes so much sense that both of our, we were like any piece of art and we both were like mm, TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Riverdale and Star Trek of all things yeah, yeah, yeah. are defining uh, television shows. Now we just need to talk about Lost and Stranger Things. The thing is <laughs> that like at some point I've seen, I, I think I've seen Lost like eight times maybe mm-hmm. more and so like I don't cry always in the places where like you should cry the first time I watched it I absolutely of cried course. and there are still times in which I cry for example the finale I cry every single time <laughs> um did, have I ever cried in Stranger Things though yes end of season two when they have Will in um in like that room where they're trying to interrogate him and everyone's telling stories about how oh, much they love yes, him yes, yes definitely cried in that one yeah yeah I don't know if I've ever cried at Stranger Things. I think I did cry at Lost when I watched it the first time, but I don't know. Impossible not to. You're not a soulless monster. (laughs) (laughs) I may have like teared up at the end of season three of Stranger Things. Oh, no, no, no. I was so angry (laughs) Mm. (laughs) that I didn't tear up at first. And then they got to the letter and I cried. 
Right. Oh, I definitely cried in the letter yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know what? If you guys don't know what we're talking about, maybe <laughs> check out those shows. And I actually have a podcast to recommend about them if you want. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Today we have words to say about episode 302 of The 100, One Head Apart 2. This episode will contain spoilers for all seven seasons of The 100. Here's where we would usually talk about the title of the of the episode. However, see last episode. <laughs> this is part two part of that. Two. <laughs> Um, uh, then we would move on to thoughts from listeners and we did get a DM. Um, so we got a DM on Twitter from at real underscore section 31, um, who DM'd us and said, please lay off Jackson. <laughs> no, um, but you have good points. Um, <laughs> third year medical students in the U.S. have a psychiatry rotation. Although he is a physician, he has at least some psych experience. Love the podcast. Thank you so much. I definitely respect this if Jackson had gone to, like, actual medical school, <laughs> but, like, I feel like chances are he learned everything he knows from Abby. Right. Yeah. Who like, isn't a psychiatrist, clearly. Like, my bullying Jackson has uh, no reflection on my feelings towards actual people who are studying to be medical professionals. Yes, of course. And are, like, very dedicated and mm-hmm. are doing incredibly important work. Not that we thought your DM, like, not that we thought you were, like, attacking us or anything, which, <laughs> no, no. I, which I, we know that you weren't. I just want to make it clear that um, me don't Dunking on Jackson uh, is no reflection of my opinions on real life. Yeah. yeah. I just <laughs> I just I just think that this show doesn't think about mm-hmm. itself before it does things. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm, I, uh, yeah. The only reason I keep dunking on Jackson for the season seven stuff is because it like came out of nowhere. Right. Like so many people needed therapy before season seven. Right. And we didn't we didn't try and yeah, give like, them therapy before the, season seven. The only explanation is that he learned to do that in the bunker and that's like yeah rough (laughs) yeah oh god yeah um if you guys want to send in your thoughts from listeners or this episode um we wanted to remind you that um you only have uh, a week after this comes out just because we're recording it super super far in advance especially this one so this episode comes out on saint patrick's day um so you have until march 24th to get in your thoughts from listeners feel free to dm us on twitter or email us whatever you want. So we split up this episode into four storylines. The stuff that happens with Clark, stuff that happens at Arcadia slash Mount Weather, the stuff that happens with Murphy, and then searching for Clark being like in kind of an overarching thing. And that's going to include the Bellamy and Clark scene. So we're basically just going to talk about Clark and then be like, oh, and then some other stuff happens, but we'll we'll talk about that later. (laughs) So we decided to start with Clark and finish with searching for Clark, which I think is fun. It's, it's, it's just a little bookend situation. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, she's still so far away. We're even talking about her far away. <laughs> so to make up for last episode, <laughs> in which I made Sam do so much summary work, apparently, <laughs> um, I did all the summaries except for one. I appreciate her. Yeah, you're welcome. I still feel like it was at least like a, I did like a third still. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I wasn't like, I didn't write like 10 minutes of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're starting with Clark. Here we go. Clark gets led around by Roan. She falls over pretending to have passed out from exhaustion. He goes to get water and she attacks him from behind, strangling and drowning him. He pretends to be dead and she lets her guard down. He puts her in the water. Her red hair rinses out and she sees that he's Ice Nation. Later, they hide from some others. Clark gives away their location, so Roan pretends that he's delivering her to the queen. The dudes want to steal Clark for glory, but Roan attacks, kills them, and still has Clark. They're spotted by Bellamy and hide in the woods. 
in their little hiding spot basement thing, <laughs> which we'll talk about, I guess, <laughs> um, Roan and Clark talk about Roan's motives and we learn a little bit more about him. And he takes his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> They're similar in some ways, but Roan was banished from his people and Clark is his way to get back in their good graces. Bellamy finds her, which we'll talk about on the other storyline. <laughs> um, and then Roan brings Clark to Lexa, thus the Clark storyline. And Clark is not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Clark falls down exhausted and pretends to be just completely out and Roan's like, Juan Hedda. So he just is just like, okay, so she's just like a kid, basically. Right. Um, like, this is Anne Child. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what I was just thinking about? Like, let's start the podcast like this. Um, <laughs> like, the whole Roan and Clark ship. Uh-huh. Ice Princess? Uh, no, that's Echo. Wasn't it Ice? Because Ice Mechanic was Raven and Roan? I know what the... Oh, gosh. Hold on. Anyway, I was always... Like, she's going to look it up. But I... I was always kind of, I always kind of liked it, but I'm also like, he's so significantly older than her. Yeah. That I was like, mm. if I, if I have to feel icky about Lincoln and Octavia in season one, I can't like this. Right. I, or else I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> also, Ice Princess, great Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. I'm pretty sure it was Ice Princess. It's, it's gotta be Ice Princess, right? Because what is, what is Echo's spy? Hers is spy, right? Right. People would always use spy for hers. So I'm pretty sure it was Ice Princess. I think it's, yeah, I just never, like, yeah, I just, I, sh- I, I should know this because I did ship them a little. Yeah. But I got nothing. Because what was, what was Luna Raven? It was something else mechanic? Uh, Luna Raven was sea mechanic. Sea mechanic, yeah. Sea, ice. And it ice, was ice. It was ice mechanic for Rowan and Raven, Yeah, too. yeah. So, so it was ice, it, it was ice princess. Yeah. <laughs> or princess ice. <laughs> Anyway, I guess I was just gonna say that, like, this is kind of the beginning of Ice Princess. <laughs> Starring Michelle Trattenberg, right? <laughs> and Joan Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> and Hayden Pettitier. <laughs> and Kim Cattrall. <laughs> Can I tell an anecdote that has literally nothing to do with anything? Yeah, of course. <laughs> we got... This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just to be clear. It only has stuff to do with the Ice Princess movie. <laughs> It's Literally. a good movie. Uh, yeah. We got it on DVD. Mm-hmm. And like, this is a memory, like a core memory I have of my grandfather. Okay. We got this DVD or like, I don't know, we asked him to get it for us or something. Like, okay. I don't know. Either way, we were at my grandparents' house mm-hmm. and we had gotten this DVD <laughs> <laughs> and it was still in the plastic because it was DVD. It was brand new, right? Yeah. And we were like, grandpa, can you open this for us? And he's like, how I open it. And we were like, you take off the plastic. And he go, okay. So he comes back and he has taken... All the plastic off. Oh it. no! <laughs> like I'm pretty sure if I asked my mom for a picture of our Ice Princess DVD, which I assume is still back home in Alberta mm-hmm. on our DVD shelf, it's still like duct tape together. The, the, like the cover yeah. has been put back on. Yes, because like you know, like the they've got like a little sleeve inside it or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, he cut that part too. Oh, so like no. it's just like taped on with like. <laughs> And that's my story about Ice Princess. It's a core memory I have of my grandfather that has actually nothing to do with what we're talking about. I still respect it. But there you go. Hey, I feel like um, we used to like cut out these random anecdotes and like put them in a separate thing. But I'm like, that's what people are here for. (laughs) (laughs) My random anecdotes about my grandfather and the movie Ice Princess. (laughs) So I got through like two notes before I did that. Um, I, re- I 
it made sense. It yeah. fit. Mm-hmm. He goes to get some water and she comes and like uh, attacks him. He's getting strangled slash drowned. Mm-hmm. And when we were rewatching the episode yesterday, I realized yep. I was like, Roan died by getting drowned. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Acid Rain had a part to do with it. But like, I, yeah. I think it was Luna, right? Yeah. Luna drowns him in the fountain. Yeah. In the conclave or whatever. So it's cool that this is like his first main episode. Like, I mean, he was in last episode, but like, this is the first time where we actually like get in time with him. Yeah. And, um, and this happens. So I thought that was kind of cool foreshadowing that they brought they like you know they didn't do it on purpose yeah but we got you well i mean yeah unless unless uh unless they did do it on purpose like i i would not be surprised if they did do it on purpose like this early in the show Mm, oh yeah yeah that's true you know like i I think we need to give them credit for the for the beginning for the beginning Mm -hmm. uh season back when they put in the work (laughs) yeah exactly um sorry i've been i've been watching too much riverdale where i know that there's no intention to the things that line up not ever (laughs) in the the latest episode of Riverdale and this episode of uh this the 100 podcast comes out significantly (laughs) Uh, so technically the the one that I'm talking about is like weeks several weeks ago but Archie had this dumbass dream in which like he was playing uh, he was having a war on a football field Mm -hmm. and everyone just mercilessly made fun of it on Twitter I was like yeah this is dumb and then we watched the episode and I was like this is high art wait a second this is incredible (laughs) I wish they hadn't put it in the trailer so that no one would have made fun of it because actually the symbolism here is fantastic. <laughs> I came up with a theory anyway and I don't know if it's true, but we'll see. <laughs> so basically, Rowan pulls the exact same stunt that Clark just did in which he pretends to be out and right. then isn't. Wow. He's like, you at- <laughs> can play that game, Missy. <laughs> look at the uh, look at the tension. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So he tries to drown her back, and I assume he, like, is considering actually doing it, but then realizes that he's, he's supposed like, to eh. bring her back alive. Yep. We get to see that her hair is blonde again, and we get this weird zoom in on his scars. I How long has it been since she washed her hair, Robin? I don't know, but, like, when we get to- Has it been three months? It's It's been a while, because um she's got those gross, like- white people hair dreadlocks yeah when they take the bag off her head when she's with lexa and everything like not actual dreadlocks yeah but this weird zoom in on his scars is so so weird it's like dun 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 i want to take you seriously this early in the in the show you guys but what are you doing with that weird like zoom in on bellamy at the end of last episode and now (laughs) this one i'm like what are you doing it's like the zoom in on him and like we don't even know what it means until clark figures it out so it's like what are we looking what am i looking at because the only other at at this point the only other ice nation character that we've gotten is echo and she doesn't have any scars right the reason why she doesn't have any scars is because she's a spy but the actual reason why she doesn't have any scars is because they brought her in in season two and didn't know that ice nation was supposed to have scars (laughs) and then they made an excuse as to why she is doesn't have scars exactly and then it becomes a core part of her character arc. Yeah, it's exactly. like a whole thing. And then she gets scars in season seven, and you're like, oh my god, she wow. can't be a spy anymore. Oh no. Not that she can spy on anybody here, and anyone would know what it means anyway. <laughs> so later, Roan is clearly hiding them from the Ice Nation. And I'm like, Clark, doesn't that bode well for you that he's hiding you from the Ice Nation? Right. Even though you realize, like, there's obviously something else going on here. Like, does she clock that the other people are Ice Nation? Does he say something? I think so, because I wrote it down as if Mm. she did. Right. 
So I think so. So she screams to try and like, I don't, like, I don't understand why you want their attention. But so she screams and he has to like go kill them. She he, thinks, he, he she might thinks even know she... these guys. He might even know them. That's true. How big is Ice Nation? It feels like all of Tree Crew kind of knows each other, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like, I think that she had less forethought about what that meant for where he was taking her and right. more... More was just like, if he's distracted by fighting these three guys, I can just yeet on out of here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. But, um. Which is basically what happens in the scene. He just like lets her go and she's like, bye. And I love how much confidence he has that he's like, no, I'll, 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 I, I, can, I can get her back. You in yeah. like five minutes. I, I got this. Yeah. And <laughs> like, um, I think also it plays into her not knowing that he's not taking her to the queen because he does play it here like he's taking her, her to the queen. Right, yeah. He says to them that he's taking her to the queen. Yeah. So he's basically like, okay, these are more deaths literally on your back. Puts the bag back over her head and says that she's one head and he's going to take her to the queen. And so they all want to steal her so that they'll be like well off mm-hmm. um, and be treated well by the queen. I'm like, okay, if y'all know the queen, then don't you guys recognize the prince? <laughs> like... What? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, wouldn't they, wouldn't it have made more sense to have wanted to, like, bring both, both of them in? Yeah. Like, to subdue him and her and bring back the banished prince and the, and Wanheira? Yeah. And, like, they would know that he's banished. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they don't recognize him. So he lets her go and they run after her. Um, Like I said, I guess he's confident that he can just get her back. Um, she tries to attack him again, but can't. And she's pretty confident that if he wanted to kill her, he would have done it already. Mm-hmm. And I think the exact moment is when he, like, literally had her under the water. He's significantly larger and stronger than her. Yeah. She could have been dead if he wanted oh, him dead. for if, sure. If he wanted her dead. Yeah. But he's, he still jokes about it. Like, yeah, yeah I could take you out. Yeah. He's yeah. like... Well, you keep bugging me. <laughs> He's like, listen, I'm using you for something. But if I decide that I don't want that something that much, can't be bad. Can't be, I'm not going to be that sad about it. <laughs> so later Rowan looks at his little map and um, they hide and he's like, please don't scream this time. Um, and we know it's because he's on the outs with the Ice Nation. Um, they go underneath their little, in their little place, which we'll talk about later when Bellamy comes down, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Roan takes off his shirt because they need a shirtless man quota. And I don't think they're, I think this is the only one this yes, episode. Yes, the only one so. this week. Unless you count, like, Abby doing surgery on Nyko or something. Yeah, but I don't think even that then, I don't even remember him, like, being that shirtless. Yeah, and they didn't, like, uh, dwell on it or anything. Oh, no. Like this one a... where he's, like, slow motion. <laughs> Um, but he has a lot of blood and, like, scars. Clark stabbed him before, but not deep enough to kill him. And he's like... Finish the job, Clark. <laughs> You're not the commander of death because you didn't even kill me. Ha ha ha. He's like, you big weenie. <laughs> so they start talking like, why are you hiding from your own people? And he's like, you're hiding from your own people, you hypocrite. <laughs> right. Glass houses. <laughs> he's also like, did you know that I am very tough? Here is me cauterizing my own wound. With a fiery knife. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very like badass, but it's also like, sir, is that? Are you well, okay? All right. So he's like, wow, Wanheda, Mountain Slayer. And she's like, oh my God, stop. I'm not that cool. <laughs> I promise. Um, she hasn't put it together yet. She's like, why are you taking me to the queen? Um, my people will offer you more than than she will. How um, do you know that? Will they? What do they have to um, offer? Yeah, like she's like, yeah, my mom's the chancellor. So obviously she'll pay whatever. And I'm like, but do they have that I'm much? like, yeah, Clark, she like, 
Abby probably would do a lot to get Clark back, yeah. like, whatever it took. But you don't know what they even have. Yeah, like, and you they, don't know what the queen is offering him. You don't have any crops. You don't know what he wants, what I think he they needs. do have crops. I'm very proud of them. Oh, yeah, they have, like, yeah. a few crops. Um, not enough to feed uh, more people, apparently, which yeah. is why we start a land war later in this season. <laughs> um... <laughs> Clark also says the Ice Nation, and I think Kane does as well later, and it reminds me of Echo's line in season seven in which Hope was like, is that how they do it in the Ice Nation? And Echo's like, it's just Ice Nation. There's no the. So when Clark's like, like oh, the Ice Nation, I'm like, actually, Clark, there's no the. I'm like, when, when did y'all decide to drop the the? <laughs> or was it always wrong? But she's like, yeah, like my people will do more for you. And Roan's like, probably not, because it doesn't seem like you guys are even friends. Everyone's like, okay, bet. <laughs> so they talk about how they're both in disguise. They're both on the run. They're both in the wilderness. Wow, they have so much in common. They should kiss. <laughs> but he was banished and she left on purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's their difference. He said that he's not going to take her back to her, her people because this is his way to get back to his own people. He's like, yo, Clark, you did this one to yourself. Um, I actually want to be with my people. Yeah. But like, does he though? Like later in the season, his mom sucks. Yeah. <laughs> She's, isn't she the one that banished him? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you just want to like join a different group then yeah. at that point? <laughs> He's like, mm, I have the scars. I don't want to have to also get a tattoo. I don't Ugh, know. God, so much work. But then he like puts the gag back in her mouth. So obviously the conversation's over. <laughs> Bellamy shows up and we'll talk about that later. Then Rowan brings her in to see Lexa. And it turns out <laughs> he was taking her to Lexa, not the queen. The whole time. I love that he was like, she's like, why are you taking me to the queen? And Rowan isn't like, doesn't correct her at all. Yeah, he's like, I'm just not gonna answer this. Like, do you think that Clark would rather be taken to Naya, the Ice Queen, or Lexa? I feel like... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Bit difficult to record a pod with a character named Not Lexa. you. <laughs> not you. Anyway, I think that she would rather be taken to Lexa. <laughs> but I don't think she actually wants to be taken to either of them. Yeah, I don't think she wanted to be taken to either place. And, like, ultimately, of course she would rather be taken to Alexa. Plus, I think, like, whether or not, like, ultimately it works out in her favor because they're, like, in love and it's tragic and sad and beautiful. But also, like, even being brought to Alexa is, like, more cathartic than just being, like, in permanent danger of, like, having your throat slit symbolically in front of everyone, which is probably what Naya would have done. Yeah. To be like, ah, ha, ha, I have the power of death on my side. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if it would have been a smarter move for Roan to say, I'm taking you to Lexa, I'm not taking you to the ice cream. Mm. And if she would have been more, like... Compliant? Yeah, compliant and, like, okay to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, either way, it ends up working out because in the in the other scene, you know, she promises to stop fighting. Yeah. Um. So it's like, okay, it works out either way. But um, I just think that maybe she would have been... More, just like more willing to go. More like a known. more like Briar Patch energy of like, no, please don't take me to Lexa. Oh my god, don't, don't do that. That's not where I want to go. <laughs> not asked. So so Lexa's like, oh hey yeah, um, I told you to bring her unharmed, and Rhone's like, listen, I tried. It was like I had to hit her in the head or she wouldn't come. Yeah, and Lexa's like, that's fair. And she do be doing that. She's like, I get it. He's like, okay, well, I did what you asked, so please lift my banishment. And um, she's like, mm, Lexa's no. like, well, Indra told me that your army is marching, and I don't love that. And Roan's like, okay, that wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. And so, okay. <laughs> and Lexa's like, 
sorry, bro. She's like, yeah, I uh, I need leverage. So, Lock him up. Uh, um, I don't like this. <laughs> that makes it makes me feel bad. Yeah, it's like, like Ron is clearly on the outs with his family or, or with his clan anyway. You know, right. so it, like is not only has nothing to do with him because he was like off doing something else, mm-hmm. but it's also super has nothing to do with him because he does he's not even part of that clan anymore. Yeah, I think it like it's tough because it's totally not his fault in any way, mm-hmm. but it would be foolish of her to let him go when he's her only bargaining chip right. with, like, the queen coming at her. Mm-hmm. So, like, it sucks, but I, I get it. Yeah. But also, I, oof. I almost wish that she would have been like, okay, yes. But, like, team but up I, with me. Yeah, team up with me. I need you for something, you yeah. know? Like, I need you on my side. Uh, you're you're unbanished. What exactly? I literally need you to um, strong arm your mother. What exactly is he even banished from? From everybody or just from Ice Nation? <sighs> Because it feels like if he was banished just from Ice Nation, Lexa isn't the one who had right. the authority to unbanish him. Well, I mean, she she must have authority over, like, everything because yeah. she's the commander. But, yeah, like, even then, wouldn't... It seems like Ice Nation would have just been like, yeah, we don't care about what the commander says. Kill him anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unclear. Yeah. Because, like, it does seem like his mom... I'm pretty sure they confirm later that she's the one who banished yeah. him. Yeah. This is the plot hole. Yeah. Um, this is something that you brought up in, uh, our rewatch. You said, how would anyone know that he's unbanished anyway? Because yes, all like, they have is word of mouth. Yeah, they don't have phones, they don't have internet. I, I, I'm sure they have a communication system that, like, is very effective, but literally they only have word of mouth. Like, yeah. how long do you have to wait after being unbanished for it to, um, have been effective enough that you can walk down the street and feel like you're not gonna get murdered? Yeah. <laughs> this is our first look at Titus, I believe. Oh, yeah. So, hey, Titus. Uh, this Yikes, guy. buddy. Um, this freaking guy. Can't say I love what goes on uh, later this season with you. God, he sucks. <laughs> Lexa asks <sighs> to be left alone with Clark, and she apologizes to her, but she was trying to save her life because otherwise Ice Nation would come for her and the Ice Queen would kill her, so you're lucky. Um, she asks Clark's help with the war, and Clark decides to spit in Lexa's face. Mm-hmm. Have you? Has your face ever been spit in? Uh, No. Not, like, on purpose. Yeah. I think my sister, like, probably had accidentally done it when Mm -hmm. we were children uh, at some point, but I don't think on purpose. Mm -hmm. Has yours? Yes. Oh. And on purpose. However, I was a child. Uh Uh-huh. And so when I went home and told my mom, basically, um, when I was in elementary school, my grandma lived right across the street from my elementary school, Uh so I would just walk home. Every day. Yes. And there was a boy named Mitchell. Ugh, boys. And Mitchell would chase me back to my grandma's house, threatening to spit in my face. Uh-huh. Basically. Or spit on me, just in general. Sure, because boys are disgusting. boys. And one day, I was like, I'm not running from you anymore. At a girl. And he spit in my face. He said bet. And I just wanted to say, I'm very lucky because no one ever bullied me again. Because I got him in so much trouble. (laughs) However, when I got home and I was like, Mitchell just spit in my face. Uh Uh-huh. I was upset because spit is gross. Yeah. You know, like it never occurred to me that it was like something genuinely disrespectful that people did because like, like it was just like a huge, it was like a symbol of something that you do when you are just like so, so, so disrespectful. Yeah. So when I went home and I was like, mom, Mitchell spit in my face. I was like, it was gross. I didn't like it. And she was like, what? He did what to you? Yeah. yeah. So yes, my face has been spit in. Uh, It hasn't been spit in since. Now I need to know how much trouble he got in. I think he got in a lot of trouble. However, like, then, like, you know, 
moving on, like, we went to the same middle school, we went to the same high school and everything, we were mm-hmm. in the same, like, drama classes together, and, like, sure, sure. you know, so he, he we, we were still kind of, like, friends and everything, all is good, guys, don't worry, don't go, don't go, uh, yelling at Mitchell, okay? I haven't talked to him since high school, but I'm sure it's fine. Though, if you have a child who is, um, threatening to spit in other people's faces and you don't handle that right now, yeah. handle it. Yeah. Or I will come do it for you because yeah. that's so terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't. But, like, I get why I love the tension in this scene, mm. personally. Oh, I'm- why? <laughs> Gay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um... <laughs> Because, like, Lexa is way too soft here yeah. uh, for She's her like, own She's like, oh my god, good. Clark, it's been, like, three months. Oh my She's god. Like, I've genuinely thought of nothing but <laughs> seeing your face again. Yeah. And Clark is like, fuck you, bud. Yeah. Uh, you left me hanging. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And, like, meanwhile, Clark still has, like, complex feelings for Lexa. It's mm-hmm. just delicious. She's like, I've already rebounded several times. <laughs> Um, and she's like, you wanted one, Hedda, you got her. And this is another um, example of, like, the first time watching it being like, oh. And then, this, and then now watching it and being like, all right. It's cool. just, like, our opinion of, like, Eliza's acting uh, aged poorly. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, yeah, the first time we watched it, I was like, yeah, you go off. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, now I'm like, you, you're not scary. Yeah. No one's scared of you. Not that Eliza isn't a talented actress. We've seen her no, do no, a lot yeah. of things, but some of the things that she's being made to mm-hmm. to say. She also hasn't practiced uh, screaming in her car yet. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. Oh, right. So, like, <laughs> for season five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we get the reveal that Lexa's on top of the tower. Oh, so iconic. Mm-hmm. Polis is. I just. I love Polis. It makes. Like, I really liked. Mm hmm. I. Season three was one of my favorites because, like, the world got so much bigger. So true. And I just think that's so neat. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Ton DC is Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, and the reason why Polis is called Polis is because of Polaris and, and mm-hmm. all that. For a long time, we were like, Minneapolis? Indianapolis? Where does the Polis come from? Well, there is an Annapolis, mm-hmm. literally an hour from DC, which is probably what they were going for when they were like misdirecting. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, ha ha, it's the spaceship. Just kidding. And I was like, well, I kind of liked the, the the other idea though. But like the, the metro system, which we'll talk about later. And like the, um, the, there's like signs and stuff in the like square at Polis, Mm -hmm. um, that are from like, the before times. Yeah. Line up with it having been Annapolis. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that because I think I talked about this at some point recently, but, like, the... At some point, it was talked about how Imori and Otan's names were from the Memorial Botanical Garden. Oh. I am I think. That's what I always knew. I mean, I know that oh. that's true. I just don't know where, where it came from. I think someone must have said it at some point. But Imori came from Memorial, and then Otan came from Botanical. I love that. I didn't. Yeah. Re- I don't know that I ever knew that that one. I just wish that they had done more of that because yeah. I loved. I I really loved the idea of like well, and us Lex- all talking about it on Twitter and mm-hmm. like deciding like where each of the thing came from or whatever. And Lexus was supposed to be uh, Alexandria. Yeah. 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 I wanted more of that. I that was fun that. as hell. Like we get us getting to like hack the show and figure like it figure out. out all the yeah. secret codes mm-hmm. and like what where stuff came from. Yeah. That was part of the fun. I'm like now I'm trying to rem- to figure out if like the Memorial Botanical Garden thing came from actual sources or if like me and my mom made that up. Uh <laughs> I feel like it came from sources, but 
But if you made it up, good for if you. If not, that that's cool. Great. So I think we should I think we should take it as canon either way. Yeah. So that's the Clark storyline. Nice. We'll talk a little bit more about Clark later. Yeah. <laughs> Just but a little bit. Until then, we're going to talk about Arcadia. Okay, here we go. Octavia and Lincoln make out in the morning. They're getting into it when they hear a commotion. It's Nico. He's injured and asks to see Abby. He says Ice Nation did this to him. Abby talks with Jasper about beginning to move on from his grief about Maya. He is not receptive. Nico is brought in, but his blood type is too rare. They can only help him by going to Mount Weather. It's a bad political move, but Lincoln decides that it's necessary. They get ready to go. They arrive and get Nico situated, but Jasper lags behind. When Nico wakes up, they all decide that they can convince the other grounders that it's good to use the facility. Abby agrees because it seems like everyone else thinks it's a good idea. Elsewhere in the mountain, Jasper searches through the art to find Maya's favorite painting. He destroys the other art in the process, which is sucky of him. Octavia joins him and tries to comfort him. So, um... Octavia says that it's nice that Lincoln left the jacket because she wouldn't be down to hook up with him if he wasn't in, I guess. <laughs> and if I could, like, it's ha ha ha, very funny, ha ha. Uh-huh. However, if I could get deep on you, I think that this could potentially stem from the fact that she grew up afraid of the guards. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, like, the scariest thing to her. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I and completely it, agree. Like, I know that on the surface, they're saying, okay, it's because, like, she doesn't like... Like, you know, she's all grounders and everything and they like stick it to the man and everything. But yeah, I just, I think that it stems from like her childhood of having that literally like like, the guards were the most terrifying thing in the world because that ended her life Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And, um, Bellamy like becoming one was like one of the worst things that happened to her too. Mm -hmm. For sure. So they get interrupted by a hurt Nyko and you know what? We don't get to talk about it because it's in season four and we've already covered season four, Mm -hmm. but, um, that guy died in the worst way and deserved a better death. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. I think he literally was just like shot by a drone and that was it, right? Yeah. Like that's just how he died. No, it's, it's straight up sucks. Lame. It's like, He's just a casualty of them trying to get to Becca's lab. Was that like the first one that it was like, um, no, it was Lexa, right? Yeah. Lexa was the first one. Like, I mean, at least Lexa's was given some sort of ceremony and Lincoln's was given some sort of ceremony, even though it was bad. But like Nyko's, it felt like was just like ignored, but. Sinclair. Oh, Sinclair. Yeah. Like, like Lex and Lincoln sucked and served no narrative purpose. Mm -hmm. So like, yikes. But like, they did like care about them a little bit more for like at least two or three episodes after. But yeah, I think Sinclair was the first one that was like a named character that just got yeeted. Yeah. And And that that happens later this season. Yeah. In like, in my least favorite episode of The Hundred, now I can't say that's my least favorite episode ever anymore. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, I... That but I, that one that one I used make to a be joke my... about that episode in my summary. Oh great! <laughs> yeah, it's probably like I used to call it my least favorite episode of the whole show. I'm it's not my, looking forward to talk about it. It's my least it. favorite episode of uh, prior to season five. Yeah, or six. six. Yeah. It serves no purpose. <laughs> yeah, everyone knew that everyone, like, that y'all knew that we loved Sinclair. Why did you do that? <laughs> um, so Nyko asks to see Abby and says that the Ice Nation did this to him. Sorry, Ice Nation. Hmm. Not the Ice Nation. There's no the. Sorry. Get it right, Robin. Mm-hmm. So Abby is with Jasper and she's like, hmm, there are some new things to chat about. Uh, at this follow-up appointment. <laughs> Abby tries to talk to Jasper, like, talk Jasper through his issues with Maya. Which is, like, I like the way that they do it here because, like, Abby is very clearly, like, trying to do a little bit of therapy stuff here with him. Yeah. But it's not, like, heavy-handed the way that it is in season seven with Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, Jackson could have also done this scene and done the same, like, lines and I would have been like, ah, oh, yes, 
We are we are analyzing our problems so that we can face the problem so that we can feel better about it later and not always be depressed. So I just I just think they do the same thing, but this way it's done really well. And in season seven, it's just so heavy handed. Right. So Abby's basically saying it's not a one time conversation, but he needs to start accepting it to like begin to heal. Mm-hmm. Finn never faced what happened and he died having not faced what happened. Mm-hmm. Jasper brings up the fact that Clark killed Finn and Maya. And I'm like, okay, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. He's just he's just literally reaching on to the like just trying thing to blame that he knows will get Abby off his back. Right. It's it he's he's attacking a personal thing so that she'll leave him alone. Man, give this like, lady a break. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I also j- I do want to say that I like the seed that they planted here though with Abby like trying to work with Jasper on his feelings because it does come back later when the like uh when Jaha shows up with the chips and stuff. Right. Um, and I like that little thread of, like, Abby checking on Jasper and, like, trying mm-hmm. to keep him away from that sort of thing. It leads to what, like, Braven ending up trying to mm-hmm. get out of it. I'm actually really looking forward to talking about that storyline. It was, like, the worst thing to me just because, like, I was really disappointed in Bellamy this season when I was watching for the first time because Bellamy was one of my favorite characters. And I just, I felt like it was out of character. You know, I was, like, really disappointed in the choices that he was making. Mm-hmm. Um but now that we've got so much more of a larger scope of the character of Bellamy, mm-hmm. um, I think it makes more sense, I guess. And yeah. um, I'm excited to talk about about that in the scope of all of all of Bellamy's life. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I think because that's... it does end. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the series, I think like this is especially part of the the era of the series where I was like I can't think of a single character that I dislike Mm -hmm. and that was except for like (laughs) Titus right but like the main characters like I liked Bellamy this season and I Mm -hmm. liked Lexa this season and I liked like those are I think the the polar Mm -hmm. arenas but yeah I I don't know I think it was up until I didn't like Bellamy at all until like mid-season two Mm -hmm. wow yeah Mm -hmm. So Abby and Jackson start working on Nico, and his blood type is RH null. Is this a real blood type? Are you? Ch- did you I check? googled it uh-huh. when you started this storyline. So one of the rarest blood types in the world is wow. RH null, sometimes referred to as golden blood. People Whoa. with this type have a complete absence of any RH antigens. Uh, it was first discovered in Aboriginal Australia and is extremely rare, with fewer than fifty individuals known to have it. What? Uh, in the 50 years after its discovery. So I don't even know if when they go to the mountain, there's going to be any RH null blood. Because like, they've only discovered 50 people with it. Yeah. How how are you going to have RH null years and years and years and years and years in the future from here? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. If I mean, if I was able, if I wanted to make sense of this, I'd be like the bombs mm-hmm. created more yeah. or whatever. Because I think canonically there mm-hmm. was some RH null at Mount Weather, or else they wouldn't have been able to save him. Well, yeah, there had to have been. Um, it's just like, having done the research, it's so... I think because, maybe because Mount Weather was a facility that was established before the bombs That fell, they could take some of they, it out. Because, like, here it says, its rarity means that donations of RH null are incredibly scarce and difficult to obtain. When an RH null individual needs blood, uh, they rely on a small network of regular RH null donors around the world to ensure that this blood type is always available when needed. So I'm assuming that they probably had, like, a store of it already so it could be like 200 year old blood i don't know if that keeps uh that long but they could have had like some of it already and like not needed it 
Right. I had always assumed, because I think this is what the show wants us to assume, mm-hmm. is that, like, a, there are several grounders that have that, and so, like, a grounder that they, like, drained... Yeah. Had it. And I think that's what they're, like, trying to get us to to assume. Either way, they clearly had some. Yeah. How that was, who's to say? Like, they... And it's interesting that they, they had to pick a blood type so rare that even Universal Donors, like, space crew couldn't yeah. donate to it. Right. So, yeah, Octavia knows that Sky Crew blood is universal and immediately offer, offers up her own blood, which is very nice yeah. of her. Uh, Lincoln also gets typed, but he doesn't match either. Like we said, Jackson wants to take him to Mount Weather where there's more grounder blood. And he's like, we can't let him die, Abby. We're doctors. And she's like, okay, well, I'm also the chancellor. So, like, that's an issue. And he's like, well, maybe you should just be a doctor <laughs> and i'm like jackson i don't know how to tell you this but like if anyone else was the chancellor they would also tell you no like right. whether it was abby or not the chancellor would say no what are you gonna right. go behind the chancellor's back like like it's it's kind of manipulative yeah to be like well you're the chancellor just say yes because you're also a doctor yeah Instead of being like, like if Kane was chancellor Uh and they had to ask Kane for permission to go and like do this thing in Mount Weather, Kane doesn't have to say yes. Yeah, like it's weird that like being a chancellor is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Like her job is very important. It's very important for her to take it seriously. And for some reason, Jackson thinks that she should value one of her jobs over the other, even though it's like two of the most important jobs in the in the world right now, basically. Literally. Yeah, I just think that that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, sorry for not letting up on Jackson again. <laughs> and it's it's not Jackson's fault, like, the character. Either. Yeah. It's the, this is one of the most heavy-handed, like, plot issues that I have with season three. Because, like, in season three, particularly, this was, like, even when it was airing, this was a glaring issue to me because, like, you haven't shown me that Abby is a bad chancellor or a bad doctor. You're just screaming it at me every episode when I still, like, the the society is functioning. No one's at war yet. Like, they have crops. They have, like, no one's dying. The mm-hmm. biggest medical issue until Nyko showed up was getting contraceptive yeah. uh, implants taken out. Like, it's not, she's handling it. She's mm-hmm. doing a good job. She's the only chancellor that led them in any sort of peacetime in the show. So it's, <laughs> they know that in like three or four episodes, they have to have power struggle that leads to Pike getting the chancellorship yeah. over Abby or Kane mm-hmm. so that they can be the underdogs in this storyline. But like we could have done it in a way where like Pike challenges Abby for the chancellorship or... Like, there's, it comes about some other way that Abby decides to have, like, an election and not just, like, everyone screaming at Abby that she's bad at all her jobs. Yeah. And she should just give up, which is what all of this, like, dumping on her leads to in the next episode is her being like, hey, I don't want to anymore. You do it. Yeah. Which, like, Kane is also a good chancellor, in my opinion, for the, like, 20 minutes he had it in season two but like it's very poorly done because we know where why you're doing it but it doesn't make sense narratively yeah how you got there like i understand as a viewer that you're doing it so that we can get to somewhere else but in in story it doesn't make sense that these are the way that these characters are acting yeah so abby's like okay well lincoln you said not to do supply runs Mm mm-hmm now we're gonna do more than a supply run like what do you think we should do and um lincoln is selfish and wants to save Nyko even if it jeopardizes peace and I'm not saying that's bad no I'm selfish 
all the time. Yeah. I'm a Slytherin. So like, I respect it. Um, I just think it's interesting to see him like this because he's usually so selfless. Right. That like, it's interesting to see him be selfish in this moment. And it's also like, if you had to be selfish at any moment, it's interesting to choose this moment in which the stakes are so high, you know, Mm -hmm. like the stakes are so high either way. This is also an area where like Slytherin and Hufflepuff mentalities like overlap. So true. Especially for like the people you care about most. Yeah. Which Nico is like his best friend. So of course he's gonna say yes, let's risk it to save yeah. my friend's life. Uh-huh. Like if it had been, if it had been someone he didn't know as well, maybe then he, maybe he would have made a different decision. Yeah. It's a really good spot to put him in. Yeah. I like it. I, I also like also had such a big, this is one of my big issues as well with season three was the way that they handled like not being able to use Mount Weather. Uh-huh. Because like clearly, like the reason that they're not using it, I guess, is to like keep Asgeta at bay and like keep them from attacking. But it's like through a treaty treaty that they have with Lexa. I'm having trouble keeping I'm not just, you. I'm gonna unplug it. <laughs> you don't function right now anyway. Yep. But I'm I'm pretty sure that the treaty that they have, to, uh, like the agreement to not use the mountain mountain, is like with Lexa, so that Lexa can keep. Boom. Sorry, I'm not connected <laughs> to the internet right now. But it's so that she can keep Asgeta from, like, going nuts. Yeah. They don't have an agreement with Queen Naya because, like, they haven't had meetings with Queen Naya. Yeah, and Queen Naya would be like, nope, anyway. <laughs> just straight up kill you right now. <laughs> so, like, I I don't see why they couldn't have, like, brought a proposal to Lexa that was like, here is the most equitable way to divide up the services and art and supplies that we found in the in the liberated mountain and we are happy to share it with you and simply uh only take credit for having slayed the mountain and not take more than our fair share of supplies like i think that's what the plan should have been yeah but then like everything goes to crap i think then they don't have the opportunity but i'm like i wonder if that like should have been like that's what the plan might have been like i assume had Kane and Abby like stayed chancellor and the mountain not blown up and everything not gone to hell that they would have eventually brought something like that to Lexa after like being introduced into the coalition in the next episode mm-hmm. but mountain blows up yeah um and Jasper's like still here just in the room and so it's like okay well we're gonna make you come with so get ready you buckle up buddy I'm like in Again, this is a thing where they, the characters would not have done this. Yeah. Abby would not have been like, get in the car, we're facing your trauma while I do surgery. Yeah. Like, no, no. Yeah. Um, he, he would, he simply would not have come. Yeah. This is, you made him come so that we could have this scene where he destroys priceless art. You needed more of an excuse to have him come other than you're here, you're in the room. Yep. Like, like he he should have been like yeah. There's there's no other yeah. Reason. Like like they could have if, if if you needed help like transporting him, then you could have literally anybody else. Also, Lincoln's here, so like why would you need Jasper? Like they could have convinced me uh, that they need him because he knows the knows layout his way through better. Yeah. Um, which is, like, the only thing I could think of, but they didn't put in any work to tell me that that's why he came. Right. Like, he doesn't do anything. They just get in, and then they, the Team B goes to, like, fix Nico, and Team A, like, goes to cry. That's a really good explanation. I wish that they would have used it. So they bring Nico to Mount Weather, and they just, like, leave Jasper's, Jasper just in the hall. Like, they're like, okay, bye. So they say, don't do anything stupid, which I, it's a parallel to season two, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, coming back. 
coming back here was stupid. I'm like, then, then why, why did you come? Like, they, even, even if Abby, sorry, even if Abby had been like, come with us, Jasper, it'll be good s- for you. Say no. You can say no. Just right. don't come. Like, he brushed it off earlier. He didn't have to go. Yeah. Like, she has no authority over him yeah. to make him do something like this. Yeah. I'm sure there's literally any member of the... The hunt, like Harper didn't come on the A team mission. Like bring no. Harper. Harper was in Mount Weather. Like anybody it would else also could be come. traumatic for her. Sure, but like I, I do like that when we walk in here, uh, Jackson does ask Abby if she's okay because right. she also faced trauma here. Right. So I'm why are any of talk about yeah. season two? I love season two. Me too. <laughs> so Lincoln was just waiting for Nico to wake up, so he does. Um, Nico immediately recognizes the mountain and seems to be okay with being saved there. Mm-hmm. I like that he thanks Abby and not Lincoln. Yeah. Like, thanks Lincoln for making that decision. At this point, he doesn't know about the decision Mm-mm. or anything. But, like, thanks Abby because you're the one that actually saved my life. Jackson's like, yeah. harumph, I'm the one who told Abby she's a shitty <laughs> chancellor. <laughs> I like that, uh, yeah. Like, Nico always had respect for Abby. And, like, the reason that he came all the way to Arcadia is because, like, he knew, he knew Abby could she save could him. straight up save him. Yeah. Because he's seen her save people. Uh-huh. So Lincoln wants to move him out of the mountain ASAP. And Jackson doesn't seem to have a grasp on any of the politics of this. No. Like, Jackson, okay, listen, we get your opinion. We get your point. We get <laughs> what you're saying. But, like, have you ever considered seeing anybody else's perspective? <laughs> I don't, like, this is not the Jackson that I know. So, like, that's why it's, like, extra upsetting. Right. Is that I'm just like, Jackson, consider anybody else's uh, perspective i don't it's like instead of handing him the idiot ball which is what they do a lot to some of the like team adults and jackson like rides that line of like being team adults it's less the idiot ball and more the like ignorant ball Mm -hmm. this time yeah where he's just like righteously angry over something that he has no reason to be like righteously angry about Mm -hmm. he's just like recklessly angry like you he's not paying any attention to like the fact that if they do this they could all die. Yeah. So Nico wants to stay and change everybody's minds. And he has like a great line of places aren't evil, people are, which is a great line. And Jackson, like I said, wants to stay. So it'll help them and the grounders. And mm-hmm. Lincoln agrees that they can all stay. And so Abby is like, okay, sure. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about this choice. I'm like, I like, I feel like it, there, there's part of me that's like, I wish like Abby did the right thing where she's like, okay, well, I've gotten uh opinions from people who actually matter you know Mm -hmm. so like okay sure and there's also a part of me that's just like abby step up dude say no this is like but like and then she would just get bullied by everybody you know so it's like i don't know yeah it's really like like again she should have they the writers should have given her like they they backed her into a corner because Mm -hmm. they didn't want abby to be chancellor when pike challenged her Oh, it's just really, like, weird and heavy-handed and, like, poorly done. And it does a disservice to, like, all of the characters in the scene, not just Abby. Like, it's it's making Jackson look like a jerk. And, like, all of these people look selfish and weird. And, like, they should have written the idea of, like, sharing the resources of Mount Weather and, like, bringing that as a part of the proposal to, to the coalition that they go to literally in the next episode. Mm-hmm. That would have, like, brought so much to the table for them. But they just, like... I just don't. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, well, they just want Clark back. Mm-hmm. And you will share our four carrots on our... Okay. <laughs> so in the last scene in the storyline, Jasper is looking through the paintings. And I'm like, Jasper, these belong to people. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Don't... You can't look at paintings. You can't use the things that people... That belong to people. Don't you know? 
Yeah, Jasper, like, how dare you? How dare you look at art that other people, that people who this belonged to looked at? Yeah. <laughs> like, that chandelier was art. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts destroying the art, and bro, like, this sucks of you, dude. Like, it's also this like, sucks. It's, it's like classic art that was saved for hu- over a hundred years Art now, that we recognize that we, because it's like, yeah. it was old to us. Yeah, it's like art that they like specifically saved to avoid getting lost in the apocalypse because it's so like significant. And like, I don't want to downplay Jasper's grief and Jasper's like depression and pain, no. but like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you when these people, the people that you claim to care so much about. Right. Put in so much effort to save these priceless paintings for uh, for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. How dare you be some sad kid <laughs> just came in and destroyed it. Like they saved it through an apocalypse. Right. And the thing that destroys it is this brat. And it's like, like his, his feelings are valid. And yeah. Like, it just also doesn't track with what we just learned about Jasper's feelings mm-hmm. for the people that lived in the mountain. Like, he, he's very sensitive to their belongings and, like, their history and their life being preserved and not, like, literally not disturbed and passed on to anyone else. And then he's so triggered by not being able to, like, find the right painting that mm-hmm. he legitimately, like, just throws all that out the window. And I guess that's, like, accurate to someone yeah dealing with depression, but it's also, like, it's sad to watch from both perspectives because, like, it, it doesn't track with what Jasper just just said. All of these pieces of art were someone's favorite piece of art. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just ruin everybody else's favorite piece of art just so you can save Maya's favorite, you know? So anyway, he finds Maya's favorite painting, which is The Circle of the Lustful by William Blake. It represents the second circle of hell. And in Dante's Inferno, the second circle of hell was for those guilty of the sin of lust. Mm. Why Maya chose that one? I don't know. This doesn't seem like a very, like, lustful scene. You know, I thought that Jasper's crush on Maya was, like, pretty puppy love. Yeah. I'm not really sure why they would choose, like, the lust painting for for her to be her favorite. Well, I guess it's, like, the most, like, lust of the seven deadly sins and, like, Mm -hmm. the circles of hell and stuff uh, is the one that's most associated with love. Oh, Um, sure. But... I don't think that, like, they don't ever mention that title of it in the show. No. I think that maybe... He, he, says, season, second her, he says second yeah, circle Yeah, they say second circle of hell, but they don't talk about the lust mm-hmm. thing. So I think that um, it's more an allusion to, like, Mount Weather sort of being a circle of hell. Okay, yeah. Um, and, like, Maya looking at that reflected in the art and, mm-hmm. like, a sort of glimpse into Maya being maybe a little bit of an emo kid. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's totally realistic for someone to look at a painting and be like, that one's my favorite, not really thinking about, like, what it, like, represents or anything, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I totally, yes. I totally get that, but, like, when you're making a TV show that you already know that a lot of people, like, read really far into, and you get to choose what her favorite painting is, mm-hmm. it feels like there should be a well, I, a message here. I feel like there is, yeah. like, but it's, it's not related to the title of it, it's more related right. to, like, the feeling that looking at it evokes okay um because it is it is like a trapped in in hell sort of feeling mm-hmm. because the the like swirls and like it reminds me of the river of souls from hercules right i'm just wondering like if and to be honest i don't know that much about dante's inferno so i don't know if like each yeah neither do i if each of the seven deadly sins gets a painting like gets an like gets a circle of hell or whatever mm-hmm. i i assume uh, i don't know I mean, 
you give it a goog? But if I were to choose one myself, I probably would pick Greed. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think a lot of season two was about, like, the greed of Mount Weather and how they, like, always need to have everything. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I think Greed would have been a really good one if if there was a painting for that. I think it, yeah, it, like, if there is as well, that would make sense also in this particular storyline where they're bringing it back up. Yeah. Because, t- because going into the mountain and, like, using the supplies of the mountain when it seems like they don't belong to them or whatever could be perceived as greed mm-hmm. because they want to colonize the mountain. Right. As well. Anyway, I would have picked greed if that was a choice. So Octavia joins him and Jasper said that he told Maya that he liked the painting, but now he's like, not sure if he actually did. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little upsetting yeah, <laughs> to look it's, at. It's uh, sad. And once again, I, I don't mean to downplay Jasper's grief or anything, but like, I think he, and, and you can have big connections with people in a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this completely derails his character. And I think he knew Maya for like maybe a month, like less than a month right yeah because like at this point in the show we've only had five months of canon and three of them were a time three of them were time jump yeah so like i'm not saying it can't happen i think it's realistic that it can happen um it just it's sad to me that it literally derails his entire character um when like we just met this girl too Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it for sure happens in real life. Mm-hmm. It's just the show, I think, doesn't always pay attention to the rapid pace at which its own action is happening. Mm-hmm. So that some things, like, feel unearned because of that. Mm-hmm. Because they went so quickly. Yeah. Um. Also, this thing I googled, does the painting say that it's the second circle of hell? What do you mean the painting does, say? Like, does it say like, it on the like painting? Like, in the, in the title that you found of the painting. The title of the painting is The Circle of the Lustful. Uh, so then it would have been the seventh circle, just uh, for the record. Because apparently they go in order um, envy, wrath, greed, sloth, pride, gluttony, then lust. Lust is last. Okay. As defined by Dante's inter- Inferno. Okay, so I think I got, I must have gotten this, like, tidbit from, from, like, IMDb or something, I Mm -hmm. think. It was a while ago since I've done my notes, to be honest. But, like, that painting, I'm pretty sure, is the Circle of the Lustful. So it's weird that Jasper said that it's the second Circle of Hell when the painting is Circle of the Lustful. Yeah, let me look. Yeah, like, that is, uh, that is the painting. That is the name of the painting. Um, if I'm just stupid and you've actually read Dante's Inferno, um, give us a listener thought. Yeah, please let us know. Whatever. <laughs> At this point, okay. However, Devin is great. Yes, so good. Devin's doing fantastic things with the things that he's been given. Mm-hmm. However, I I hope that they didn't give Jasper this storyline to show off Devin's acting prowess, though. Mm. Because a lot of people think that by playing a comedic character, you're not doing any real acting. Oh. I know that that was an issue on Lost for a while. A lot of people said that Jorge Garcia, who played Hurley, wasn't actually acting. He was just playing himself. No, that's... Comedy is also work. Yeah. If you're not actually funny and, like, have the, like, knowledge and timing to, like, make a joke work, then then you're a bad actor. (laughs) So I just hope that they didn't, like, make Jasper sad and depressed because... Either Devin or the writers thought that he was talented enough to mm-hmm. to do dr- drama, which is like, 
fine, but comedy acting is also acting that takes a lot of talent as mm-hmm. well. Like, I think that the problem is, like, I think they had the intention and, like, desire to do a depression story mm-hmm. because it was, it it is a story worth telling and, like, something topical at the time, I think, especially then as well, and now even, to to tell a story like that, but then a lot of the times with things like that, that the hundred does in particular, where they want to like comment on a real world issue, they like don't put in the research or like effort to understand the people who have actually gone through it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of times the actors do the research because like you can tell Devin did and like later in season five when Abby has an addiction storyline, you know, Paige did. But like, I feel like the writers sort of like phone it in mm-hmm. a little bit and then it it does more harm than help, especially with where they take Jasper like eventually, mm-hmm. uh, which just sucks because like it could have been really yeah important and like said something and then it I just think it, it it would have been so like brave and uplifting to see Jasper be at the lowest he could possibly get mm-hmm. and then like climb his way out of it and do the work and and get better yeah because they say it does get better and like and, you, and that's what you want to see you want to see examples of people mm-hmm. who have like been through the worst thing so that when you're at your worst thing you can think you can what think, did that character do hey that character that i really loved on that show mm-hmm. they made it and then maybe so can i yeah i related to them i saw a lot of myself in them and if i saw a lot of myself in them then maybe because they did it i can do it yeah that's what tv's for mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so octavia hugs him and tells him it'll get better and he wants to know when which also is like relatable I really love that line I think that line is awesome where it's Mm -hmm. like it's gonna get better and they say that and he's like okay when and it's like yeah I mean I feel the exact answers honestly like like in a in a much more chill way for me at least Mm -hmm. there's tragedy going on all over the world right now but like when everyone's like it's gonna it's gonna go it's gonna be done yeah when yeah when (laughs) yeah it's just oh god it's so hard because Mm -hmm. like when will it be over and like you can't and you also can't identify when anybody's grief will end and yeah. when, like, because it's different for every person. So, like, the, she doesn't have an answer. Yeah. Well, pff, bummer. Um, but, hey, now let's talk about Murphy. <laughs> Another man who's been to hell, but we never saw what happened oh, with that. Oh, God. <laughs> you had to remind me that we'll never know what he saw in hell. <sighs> so... Ali and Jaha hang out together in the City of Light. It's amazing, but empty. Jaha vows to fill it with his people and then everyone. Murphy wakes him up and says they're back to the mainland. He talks to Amori about the last time they talked and they flirt. Later, Amori's brother asks Jaha about the City of Light, so they walk away to talk about it. Amori explains why she works for Ali and tries to steal the power source from Gideon. He wakes up and strangles her. Murphy tries to hit him, but there is no pain in the City of Light. (laughs) Amori slices his throat. He dies and they run away with the power source. At the dock, they look at the backpack. Otan shows up and they realize he took the chip. He holds a knife to Amori's throat so they can get the backpack back. <laughs> Jaha- <laughs> Say that five times fast. Jaha tries to convince Murphy again, but he's not hearing it. He throws it behind them and he and Amori get away on the boat. In the City of Light, Ali reveals to Jaha that there is no death. Gideon is still here, even though he was killed. Aw. Aw, Gideon. <laughs> so, like I said, Ali and Jaha hanging out in the City of Light and we see them in this particular building later. I always mm-hmm. remember this moment, like when they're like kind of on that balcony talk, like when Monty has to kill his mom. Yeah, again. exactly. Um, and, and then I specifically remember them revealing what Sinclair's first name is on that balcony as well. Yes. Who 
designed the City of Light? Allie? It's got all this, like, modern yes. architecture, you know? No, like, it's, uh, it is Allie because it's an invention after the bombs fell. Right. Um, she's literally just been, like, still powered on, I mm-hmm. guess, since, uh, but, like, specifically in the house, mm-hmm. um, since the bombs fell. Which, by the way, what power source for the house? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, because she's a sentient AI, mm-hmm. she's had nothing to do for the last hundred years but build the City of Light. Right. And, like, get disciples who have brought her technology so that she can continue building the City of Light. Right. And the only times that she's, like, like, the only reason Murphy knows what she looks like and and can call her the bitch in the red dress mm-hmm. is because he saw, like, the hologram of her. Yeah. But they're, the only place that she can be a hologram is at that place, you know, because we get to see Becca see her in the home video and everything. Right. She's only a hologram in that house. In the house. Um, and any other time that we see her is always in the City of Light. Yeah, in people's heads. Mm-hmm. Which, the backpack, though, is connected to, I feel like. Connected to them being able to see her. Well, isn't she in their heads? This is, the, I've, I've, I realized that we've walked into an issue because, like, if she is just in their heads, why do they need the backpack? I thought the power source was to, oh, I thought the power source had something to do with the chips. Because but no, because there's a chip maker or something. Yeah, they have a chip maker, which is separate. And it doesn't, like, he doesn't build it until they get to Arcadia, I think. I think that, I don't know. I Because, like, the way that I had, was I was going to make a Star Trek joke here for um Kat and Alice, and that's it, Kat and Alice. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Joanna. Joanna would I'm get Joanna. it. Yeah. So I was going to say that the backpack is basically Allie's hollow emitter, uh, which is something that Doctor on Voyager uses because he is a hologram. Um, and so he can't leave sickbay for like the first two seasons or whatever until Balana builds him a hollow emitter, which means, means he can go anywhere as long as he has that like patch connected to him. So I was thinking like this means that Allie can go anywhere as long as the backpack is around. Mm-hmm. But I guess she becomes strong enough that she doesn't because they use the backpack later to send her into the ark and then nothing happens of it like okay okay i've got it so maybe they need the power source to like hold Allie. Mm-hmm. Allie's in their heads and everything but they can't take Allie from their heads and put her into a computer right so they need her in this little piece of computer or whatever mm-hmm. to put her inside another computer but also like maybe the chips don't function if the backpack isn't functioning. So like, sure. uh, like, cause it's all technology, right? So it's basically like if the Wi-Fi goes down. Mm-hmm. So like if they smashed the Wi-Fi where Abby, Allie was, um, existing. Do you remember what happens to this backpack? It gets, it gets smashed, but it's too late because they've uploaded Gotcha. Her. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think we both have answers and both of them work. Yeah. So Jaha's like, he vows to fill this place, and I'm like, it's a very large city, but okay. But he truly actually believes that this is good for everyone. Yeah. He actually thinks he's saving the human race, um, which I respect, but then he takes the absolute worst path to do so. Like, do you I, remember later this season when yeah. he's like, consent? Who needs it? When it's good, it's good for you. I don't care about consent. Oh my god. It's so bad. I do think that possibly Jaha suffered a little bit too much hypoxia <laughs> while he was up there sacrificing himself on the Ark and, and, and never recovered. <laughs> like he just straight up, I thought that was a real baby. <laughs> Raise your hand if you were in the thought it was a real baby crowd. <laughs> but yeah, I think that maybe he just straight up never recovered from that mm-hmm. until his epic death scene in season five. 502. 
Yeah. So the very long time that they were on the water before is already over because they have a motor this time. Vroom, vroom. I... And, and, and giant sea worms stay away from motors. <laughs> Imori has to wear like her glove and stuff because she's a Frickdrena. Right. And Gideon seems to also be a Frickdrena, but he doesn't wear a face covering because he's in the City of Light, so he doesn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when, later when we see Otan not wearing his face covering, that's how we know that he's in the City of Light. Right. However, I feel bad for Otan because up until now, he's had to wear a face, like this, like mask all the time. And I now know, <laughs> I know part of that life. Because <laughs> whenever I go outside, I have to wear a mask and I hate it. Yeah. So I feel but, bad for him. I hope and he like, breathes very well in there. And it sucks because like we are doing it, you know, for the greater good of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, He was just doing it because people didn't like the way he looked. Because people were mean. Yeah. Lame. So Imori tries to pick up the power source and Gideon's like super weird about it. Uh, Last time Imori helped Murphy, two of his friends blew up in the minefield. It's very cute that he calls them his friends, mm-hmm. um, but it's probably faster than two guys that I was traveling with. <laughs> right. I was like, I didn't know them. Yeah. But Murphy doesn't believe that Imori is being helpful just to be helpful, mm-hmm. which I agree. And um, I often am not helpful just for be- just to be helpful as well. So I get it. <laughs> Murphy and Amori are both Slytherins and I respect them. This is this is how I'm lear- learning later in life that I am not a Slytherin mm. uh, because I am frequently helpful just mm-hmm. to be helpful. Yeah. So she's like, ooh, keep an eye on me. And they're like, ha ooh, flirting. <laughs> so Otan asks about the City of Light and Amori like doesn't want to hear about it because I guess she's heard about it enough. She just doesn't buy into that crap. So Jaha's like, okay, well, I do want to talk to you about it. Um, but not like near Amori, so let's just go over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Murphy's like, that works out nicely because I didn't want to hear about it either. And I definitely want to be alone with Amori. <laughs> so he asks her why they're there, and they say that they were recruited. And I thought originally, I thought that they were recruited specifically to get Murphy to come along because right. like Ali knew that he would come if she was there. Sure, sure. But it seems like maybe they've been on Working this path for, her. for a while. Yeah. I, I think- don't. I think that Allie specifically targeted people who had been outcast from mm-hmm. their clans because then they, because they would do anything to mm-hmm. like have a place in society because they don't or like have a purpose, I guess. So yeah, I think she targets mm-hmm. uh, Frick Drainas in particular so that she has worker bees because they're already outcast. So she's like, right. No one's going to care if you go missing. Do you think that they were already working for Allie when we met them in season two? Mm, yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, my next note is that Imori's teeth are too white for her lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes <laughs> that's just a reality that you have to like take on when you're watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, like no women on Lost have to worry about their periods. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they just don't because they just don't talk about it, which is like fine. I don't really want to hear that much about it anyway. So like, <laughs> okay. But like, yeah, Imori's teeth would not be that white. No. Also like the amount of uh, good eyebrows mm-hmm. and um, perfectly styled hair. Yeah. On on the hundred is unrealistic, mm-hmm. but it's fine because I'm a simple woman and I like looking at pretty people. <laughs> so Imori says that Allie comes to them in the drone. Um, they collect tech and they bring it to Gideon. How long have they been working for her? I think we just talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, potentially longer than like since season two at least because like it seems when she's out in season two that that she's scavenging yeah. basically which would be her bringing tech to Allie. so 
And Maury tells Murphy not to be a hero, and Murphy's like, um, I thought we were friends. You should know that I'm definitely not a hero. (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, get it right, lady. He is confused about the fact that she's stealing from the people that that they steal for, and she says that they have other buyers. I don't think we ever hear anything about that, though. Mm -mm. The power source is too important, I guess, so he, like... I, I think, you know, he's in the City of Light and I assume that, like, Allie somehow knows that it's happening outside of him and, like, wakes him up specifically because they're taking the power source. Oh, uh, Otan? Or... No, Gideon. Gideon. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think that is correct. Like, she can probably sense what is going on around him even yeah. though he's, like, praying mm-hmm. in the City of Light. Or, like, meditating um, or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think that's completely correct. Like, she just sends him back because she senses trouble. Right. So he starts strangling Imori, and Murphy hits him in the head, but he doesn't feel any pain. This moment, I remember this moment, it's so, like, mind-boggling. Like, it's just such a, like, a heart-stopper where you're like, uh, mm-hmm. bro, shouldn't you be, like, down? Right. He just hit you with, like, a golf club. Right. Um, but there's no pain in the but city But there's of no light. pain. So Imori slices his throat with just some stunning blood out of animation. Um, it's, it's a lot of what it is. Uh, and then he falls down and dies and they steal the power source anyway. So she's wiping the blood off her face and she doesn't want to leave without Otan. They're going to split the money three ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, does money do anything? Like, what's your currency? Right. Because, like, Nyla and, and Clark, they're, like, doing, like, a trading post thing. Uh-huh. So I'm like, what are you getting out of this? Right. That's a good question. And, like, they have other buyers. Like, what what do you get? Well, I mean, I, mean, I imagine it's, it's a similar, like, trade and barter system mm-hmm. where, like, they get something for this technology, whether it's, like, food or, like, a, something else that they can trade somewhere else to get more things that they need. Yeah. I, yeah. feel, I feel like it's just a giant trading system. Cool. So she's like, we're going to split it three ways because you earned that. Like, you earned your portion. And I'm like, you well, put he, in didn't, the work. <laughs> he didn't kill him, like, just for, like, hitting him in the head, even though it didn't do anything. <laughs> I, okay. I mean, he got he got them here. I don't know. I guess. He's just, he's just along for the ride. So she kisses him on the cheek and says, thanks for saving my life. They break into the backpack and there's like lots of stuff in there. Um, Basically, it's like Allie in the backpack and it's like too valuable. So they like basically just stole the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i pretty sure it's it's Allie. This yeah. is what makes me think it's her hollow emitter. Yeah. Otan comes back and he's like acting really weird and knows how to work the backpack. So Murphy's immediately put it together. And mm-hmm. um, Amori, of course, doesn't want to believe it. So it's like, so she doesn't because yeah. she just automatically trusts him a lot. Yeah, because um, it's her brother, right? Well, that's what's so sad about it is that he like threatens his sister. And if I were Amori, I would be so confused and like yeah. hurt because mm-hmm. Otan obviously took the chip. Yeah, I just like, I can't imagine it. If I was Amori, I would be so, like this would be a... It would be devastating. Yeah. So Murphy's going to put it in the water and Murphy's like, okay, I'll give it to you if you let Imori go. And Jaha's like, or I could just talk you out of it. And mm. I'm like, why don't we just let Imori go? Because that seems easier. Right. Um, like, what is what is she worth to you? Just let her go. Jaha says that he doesn't feel the pain of losing Wells anymore. So, like, let me unburden you. And Murphy's like, no, we literally talked about this. Hello, didn't I tell you about the ABCs of me? <laughs> Murphy's like, I don't want to know who I am without pain. Leave me alone. <laughs> He's totally just straight up prepared to put it in the water. And As he should be. I'm just, like, so confused. I'm like, Jaha, how hard is this? Like, it's a very clear trade. It's a very clear trade, a very clear transaction that's going to happen here. Yeah. And he just like keeps trying to make it harder. So they get away on the boat and he throws it behind them so that they can't follow. I um, think probably like any good cult leader, he's uh, he's trying to hang on to like the bodies that he has at hand yeah. for his cult. Mm-hmm. And um, that's his 
main motivation here, I think. So, yeah, he throws it, and the backpack does kind of end up in the water, but it seems to be fine. Mm -hmm. They go back into the City of Light, and Allie seems to be fine with it because they'll eventually, like, get them, and Imori does, actually. She ends up in the City of Light. Yes. And I think that part of it is because her brother's in there, to be honest. I would, I would probably assume so. Like, we don't see Imori take the chip. No. Right? No, because it's, like, a huge um, reveal that she did. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming that it's partially because of her brother. Mm-hmm. Does, does Ochin die? Yeah. I think, like, yeah, next he does. Episode, in, like, the next, whenever Definitely Jop- this season he dies, and then they destroy the City of Light, so, yeah, yeah. he's dead. Like, whenever, uh, Jaha shows up, he shows up with Ochin, like, yeah, and then he, he gets killed, yeah. So, like, maybe they used him being in the City of Light as, like, the only way she could see her brother again. Right. Like, maybe they do some kind of thing like they do with, um, Ilian in season four. Uh-huh. Where they, like, kill him in front of her or something. Right. Or, like, another, like, something that they, uh, tell her about Murphy that even if it's not true necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Big old consent manipulator yep. with Jaha later. So, yeah. So, Otan and Gideon both got rid of their facial deformities, but Emori doesn't, which I think is... Which it, makes her cooler. Great. <laughs> it definitely does make her cooler, but I also, like, totally understand the difference between, like, all I have to do is wear this glove, mm. and then, like, this is my actual face. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like, I think that it, it says something important about accepting, like, yourself mm-hmm. when we have Amori straight up just be like, there's nothing wrong with me, mm-hmm. which is a very important and, like, it has been so important to yeah. many people who watch this show. But I also totally support people who do change their appearance if they want to because it's your life and you can, but also you don't have to when there's nothing wrong with you. So, yeah. like, it's good to have, like, both, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think you're beautiful no matter what, but I also totally understand the, like, wish and the aspiration to just want to be normal and, like, looked at normally mm-hmm. with Without, like, random children gawking at you. Right. So, I think both of these ways are valid. But also, I don't like Gideon and Notan because they <laughs> made bad decisions. In other, in other yeah, aspects. Like, this isn't a bad decision. Like, if you want to change your appearance, you are allowed to change your appearance as a person. But in other, for other reasons, I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the reveal is that Gideon is also here, even though he died. So, like, there is no death in the City of Light. He's still alive. Wow, um, that must mean the City of Light is a good thing. Wow. Immortality. Like, bruh, we're going to get really um, busy here real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That's the Murphy storyline. So the last storyline is the Searching for Clark storyline. But before we move into that, let's talk about Patreon. So Patreon. Yeah, so Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. So if we are some of your favorite creators, wow, that is really... um nice of you. Thank you Um, so much. Yes, thank you so much. Um, So it's like a monthly donation for us. If you help us with $1 or more, you get early access to all of the podcasts. Mm -hmm. This podcast goes up a whole week in advance. Um, So do our Stranger Things and Lost podcasts. Fancy. Uh, Currently, our Riverdale podcast goes up one day in advance because it is weekly. Um, But a lot of people think that that's really um, worth it for them. And uh, $5 or more gets you 10% off at shopylux.com which is where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff. If you can't help us out on Patreon, maybe check out Shoppy Lux. And that's another way that you can support us with while also getting something really cool. Brittany sells uh, resin art and stickers. They are beautiful. And I sell fan embroidery. I have like, I want to say like 17 of uh, the 100 designs right now. And by the time this one goes up, this will definitely be up. Um, but like as we speak, as we're recording, I'm mm-hmm. currently making a custom Blood Reina design. I have yeah. a Sky Ripa Octavia 
design, but I'm currently stitching a Blood Reina design as a commission for one of our lovely Patreon sponsors, AJ. So that one will definitely be up with it. And I think that makes like, I want to say like close to like 20, the 100 designs that yeah. I have. So <laughs> if you have a favorite character, go check it out. Even if I haven't gotten your favorite character or just like AJ, if you want a different version of one of your favorite characters, uh, feel free to do that. I also do quotes as well. So check that out. Yeah, but that is Patreon and that is Shopilux. But if you can't help us out on either of those, feel free to just recommend us to a friend. We have this podcast and we also have four other podcasts that we're going to talk about in the outro. So we hope that you do. And um, <laughs> yeah, we just we appreciate you either way. Thank you. So, like I said earlier, Sam did the, the summary <laughs> for this one. I sure did. All right. So, three hours after getting trapped because they're dumb, uh, Kane and company try, are trying to decide whether they should, like, make a run for it or, like, stay here and weigh them out. Indra says uh, she's team Bellamy because Kane has the idiot ball right now, and um, they should definitely make a run for it because... The whoever has trapped them can wait longer than they can. So they decide to try and go, but the second that Bellamy sticks his head out of the sunroof, someone pulls a gun on him. Their captors force everyone out of the vehicle, and Kane is, like, ready to do anything to protect Bellamy. Monty then comes out with a gun, and Bellamy tells him that tells him to put it down by name, and one of their captors is like, wait. <laughs> and then Monty's like, Mom? <laughs> Cue a touching reunion. Uh, boy, this would be great if he didn't have to kill her twice later this season. Uh, Monty's mom tells her that his dad didn't make it, which is very sad and tragic, but she's not going to tell him anything else. Kane links up with Pike, a uh, farm station's leader and former Earth Skills professor on the Ark. Pike gives off some weird vibes, leading his group in a grounder killer chant. Hoo-wah! Um, and Indra's like, yo, I'm uncomfortable. Kane then says that they had three times the amount of people that uh, Farm Station now has when they left space. And Pike's like, yeah, man, we didn't land in the good matriarchy like you did. <laughs> Indra says that Ice Nation sucks and they should be proud of the amount of people that they saved. And Kane is like, hey, this is my friend who is a grounder. Please don't kill her. And Pike's like, mm, debatable. I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, haven't decided yet. Jury's out. Kane asks for their help in looking for Clark, and Pike agrees because uh, Clark was one of his best students. And so he sends LaCroix <laughs> back with the others, uh, but he and Hannah, Monty's mom, and some of the others head out to help our heroes in uncharted territory because they know the Ice Nation land better than our heroes do. On the outskirts I'm of- letting that slide because you're talking about the land and not the Ice Nation. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the uh, the pass on yeah. this one. On the outskirts of Tree Crew, Nyla is getting her ass kicked because she won't tell some Asgeta bounty hunters where Clark is. Bellamy comes in and takes the guy out, and Indra then asks Nyla nicely in Trig where, where Clark is, basically. And Pike's like, hey, speak English, because xenophobia is an important theme in this season if you haven't figured that out yet. Mm -hmm. They then get the info that they need and then leave Nyla to clean up the body that they just murked in her shop. Um, oh well. Then the team is walking through a field in broad daylight, being real sneaky, and Bellamy and Monty catch up with Hannah and Pike. Hannah tells Monty that all he needs to know about his dad is that he loved him very much and wanted to find him. Pike asks about how the last time he heard from the 100 they were at war with the Grounders, so like, what changed? And Bellamy tells him that they had a common enemy that they defeated together. They hear war drums playing in the distance, signifying that Esgeta is nearby. They pull the bodies of the people that Rowan murdered out of the field so that they don't catch the blame for it, but Bellamy then sees Rowan making off with Clark in the distance. He's Sorry, making out with Clark? Off? <laughs> Sorry, making out with Clark? Whoa. Wow. Didn't know Ice Princess was coming in so <laughs> quick. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what they were doing on the other side of those binoculars. Uh, he's Bellamy's like, what? <laughs> but I want, what, what? 
<laughs> no. Um, he's ready to risk it for the biscuit, but Pike tells him to slow his roll. Um, Indra then tells him that she has to go and warn the commander that Ice Nation has crossed the border. If they get Clark before our heroes do, then we're all going to be at war. Bellamy wants to go to Clark, but they have to chill in this cave until the army passes, but then he immediately makes the decision to steal a dead guy's clothes and go anyway. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Monty asks his mom again what happened to his dad. Hannah then tells the story of what happened when they landed. It would have been great to have had an episode about this, uh, showing us similar to, like, the Taylor episode of Lost, and it's just so too bad that there's not a definitely useless episode later in this season (laughs) that we don't need. Looking at you, Emerson Horror episode. (laughs) Demons. (laughs) Anyway, they landed in the snow, which kept the station from breaking apart, and they were dazzled by how beautiful it was, so immediately they let the kids play. Uh, Hannah then gets overwhelmed with emotion as she talks about how the kids were slaughtered while playing in the snow, and then Pike takes over- Oh my god, the, like, redness on the snow, I assume. Horrifying. That would have been, like- obviously horrible but like almost like like very cool to have seen like on i mean i know that this show really likes slaughtering children but like and and, like not showing us which is great but like maybe like a shot of like the blood on the snow would have been really good yeah the effect that they could like they could have done a lot with this episode they just didn't pike takes over and tells monty that his father was trying to save the kids out of 15 he saved four and he was killed trying to save the fifth one. Kane says, hey, uh, but not all grounders. And Pike says, yeah, but enough grounders for me to say all grounders. And while we were in other storylines, we come back and Monty has told his mom and Pike about what happened in season one and two. Kane then tells Pike that they use Mount Weather for supplies and Pike's like, hey, you're an idiot. You should be using it as a house. And Monty realizes that Bellamy has stolen dead guy's clothes and gone after Clark. Bellamy is doing his best don't be suspicious walk mm-hmm. when he creeps into the, like, through the field, through the Asgeta Warriors, and into the metro to find Clark. Uh, they do their best to make me ship Bellark, and, uh, but then Rowan comes in and is like, hey, what if I stab him? And Clark is like, please don't, don't do that. Don't. And uh, then he's like, okay, I won't stab him to death, but I will stab him so that he can't follow us. And Bellamy drags his janky little leg up the stairs and <laughs> tries to go after them anyway, even though he super cannot run right now. And he's like very obviously like just limping through the Straight forest. up injured. <laughs> Monty and Kane catch up with him because he's moving like a turtle because he can't walk. Bellamy's like, yo, I almost had her. And Pike's like, well, now we can't go after her because Rowan knows he's being followed. And Monty says that he wants to find her too. But Bellamy's like, well, I want to find her the most. And they take Bellamy back to camp because someone's got to stitch that leg up. So true. Yeah. I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> hey, Abby, do you have a break in all your chancellor duties <laughs> to, like, sew up this leg? So they're trying to decide if they want to leave the rover or not. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, well, they want us to run. And I'm like, bro, if you don't run, like, do you just stay here forever? Like, is that like, what you want? <laughs> like, at what point do they... um invade the car and just kill you yeah so literally as soon as he opens the top he's caught and it's very embarrassing (laughs) um however i don't really understand how they didn't hear someone climbing on the rover like how long has that person just been sitting crisscross applesauce (laughs) on top of the rover just waiting for them to go because it's it's pike right that's the one that holds him at gunpoint on top of the rover i'm also like are these people surprised to find that like grounders have cars Where did these rovers right. come did you, from? Like, who did you assume was in the in the rover? Because like I haven't seen another grounder drive a vehicle. Do we know where the where did the rovers come from? Did they come down on the ark with them? No, um, I think that uh, no weather. Well, it's remember in season two. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's season two. 
when Bellamy and Octavia find Lincoln in the parking garage oh, and he's a right. reaper. Yeah. I think we're supposed to assume that they retrofitted the cars out of gotcha. like I think it's a retrofitted Jeep. Okay, yeah. That Raven installed solar panels. Honestly, on. like in th- this is something that I think they might have taken from Lost because um like when I think, okay, in like season three or, or anything, I go, okay, how do they have this modern thing that they shouldn't have here? Mm-hmm. Whether that be on the Lost Island or here in this dystopian future. Mm-hmm. I think, well, there was a underground thing that they went into and it had a bunch of things in it. So you can just say that they got it from there. Okay. Whether it be the hatch in Lost <laughs> or Matt Weather. Uh-huh. So- when you said that, I was like, must have been Mount Weather because it's always just that thing in season two that had things in it. <laughs> it was that thing in season two, but yeah. it was just, it was a parking garage. Yeah. Um, I really love this moment because Kane is like fully ready to just concede to save Bellamy. Yeah. I um, love their relationship, especially mm-hmm. this season, like the way that they use each, like the way that Pike uses each of them as a bargaining chip mm-hmm. without even realizing that he's doing it. Yeah. Especially in like the episode, I think it's like episode eight. Mm-hmm. where it's just Arcadia stuff. Yeah. It's really good. So Farm Station tries to take the beacon from them because it's literally their beacon. They said that last uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. But Monty obviously wants to keep it because it's the only thing he has of his family. And, like, we don't know that they're Farm Station yet. Yeah, and he's, like, so frantic about it. And I love that Mm -hmm. because I would be frantic about that too. I just don't know how they don't realize already that they're Sky Crew. Like Kane is wearing a Sky Crew jacket. Mm -hmm. None of them except for Indra are dressed like grounders. Right. What what other people have you seen that are dressed like your people? And I'm also like, okay, how long have they been like just assuming that all of Farm Station is is dead? Like, have you, did you know that Farm Station was an ice nation? Because I'm like, Monty thinks that his parents, like, where did you think your parents were? Well, I think that they've been looking for other stations, mm-hmm. I think. But um, for some reason, I thought that they like found all of them except for... Well, like, well, they aren't allowed to go into. Yeah. I don't know if they have them all accounted for. If someone is aware of whether they have them all accounted for, because, like, I know we see, we see the one that, like, Jackson and them came down in in the ring, and we see, like, the one where Abby and Kane came down, like, land Mm -hmm. that they just never go back to. Right. And then we see the one that, like, crashed into the side of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And then there's Farm Station. Yeah. And then there's Farm Station. And, like, we don't. I know there's more parts of, than that that mm-hmm. break up in the sky in season one. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see whether or not they have accounted for them. Right. So Bellamy says Monty's name and Hannah obviously recognizes him. And honestly, and then they cut straight to a cold open after this. Or like It's a good, it's yeah, a good it's shot. It's a great cold open. Yeah. As long as you don't think about them not just recognizing that they're straight up wearing right. sky crew clothes. <laughs> right. But like, I mean, like the reveal. Oh, yeah. That it's his mom. Yeah. Like that's a good, mm-hmm. yeah. They... The 100 did a lot of things wrong, but their cold opens are pretty good. Right. So we have Hannah here and also Pike, and they're, like, happy to see them all. I love this because it's so good and happy. You know, we always constantly talk about how happy we are with the stuff that is happy mm-hmm. on this show. It's so nice to see a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, you know, they have to ruin it pretty much immediately. Um, but the people who stand guard are LaCroix and Smith. Uh, did we ever figure out why they named this guy LaCroix other than just, like, enjoying LaCroix beverages or what? There was, like, a whole bit during season 
like writing season three, I guess, mm-hmm. where the writers like literally had an in-office like March Madness tournament with the flavors of LaCroix drink that they like preferred the most. Mm-hmm. So they drank so much LaCroix writing this season that they just named a one-off character. Respect. Um, so he asks about his dad and basically he died, but as a hero, he got killed by the grounders, which is part of why Farm Station hates them. And I totally get it because they haven't met any of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Like any of them. Yeah. As far as I know, everybody is bad. Yeah, like, to their knowledge, everybody is bad because all the ones they've met are bad and all that they knew from Bellamy and Clark was that they were also at war with the Grounders. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly surprised that they let Indra stand up. Yeah. Yeah. So there's 63 of them and they're like, oh, you're supposed to have three times as many. I don't know why I didn't think there were that many people in farm station or in each station, but I guess that makes mm-hmm. sense that there would be lots. So did so did Jasper's family die by grounder? Like it sounds like they all like all the people in farm station came down. Right. So like well, I don't other know. than Miller's dad, we don't ever hear about Miller's mom. And then like Jasper's family, I guess, died. Well, they also probably divvied up who was in what station because you know oh, they put sure. Abby and Jackson in separate stations so that like if one right, of right. their stations like blew up they would still have a doctor. Okay sure so they put some farmers in different places. Yeah gotcha. so like Jasper's parents could have been in the one that smashed into the mountain where Mel was. Gotcha. So basically I just wish that Jasper talked more about his family. Yeah. Um, they say that they're looking for Clark. Pike taught her in Earth skills. Basically taught everybody in Earth skills. Um, Bellamy says that it's nice to see him. Everybody is forgetting that Bellamy committed treason. I, like, <laughs> you know, I was talking about it with Gina last episode, but, like, everybody's like, oh my god, Bellamy. And I'm like, were you guys not appalled when you learned that Bellamy shot the Chancellor? I don't know. How did Bellamy not get floated for the Octavia thing? Because he was over. I don't age. know. Like, I... I guess because of it's his connections with, like, with the guard. Yeah, and but... I also I also think that he was kind of able to, because who was he, uh, at that point, who was he um, protecting other than himself? They were sending Octavia to the skybox, and Aurora was being killed, so the only person that he was protecting was himself. So I can see him being like, I'm sorry, you know, I was brainwashed by my mom. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know? Like, she's get, she's either killed or is getting killed already. And she probably was like, save yourself, I don't care what you say. I'm making this up. But, like, him, he could have been like, it's not my fault. You know, my mom's the mastermind and, yeah, etc. Mm-hmm. As well as being a guard. Right. I don't know. I think that's it's something to do with like what's his face wanting to like use him some way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird that they jailed Octavia and didn't just straight up like decide that. I guess they decided. I guess Bellamy probably had a trial because. Uh, yeah. You get a trial at eighteen. Mm-hmm. I think if you're in the skybox. I guess Bellamy had a trial and then was just like considered not guilty but demoted. Right. Well, I th- I think they they must have trials for things that are like iffy, you know, mm-hmm. because like everything is capital punishment. That was the whole thing, right. right? So it's like if you're an adult and you mess up, you're out, you know. So right. like if I mean I guess if they thought Bellamy's thing was like iffy enough that they gave him a trial, right. Um, but like most of, most of the time it's just like either you're in or you're out. Mm -hmm. So Monty goes to help with the tree and I, I'm just surprised that he walked away from his mom at all because if, if this happened to me as if I'm ever leaving my mom again. Right. No. (laughs) No. No. Um, so Bellamy asks if he's okay. He says he has to be, which, you know, kind of comes in through the rest of the season when Jasper is still just continues to just be mean to him. Mm Mm-hmm. So they had 63 people and they lost. So that means they would have lost they like lost 120 like 100, people. Yeah, over 120 people. 126 people. That's a, around. That's a lot of people getting killed by grounders. Like, 
that's a that's that's the thing where I wish we had gotten an episode that was just Farm Station yeah. to like make us see that perspective mm-hmm. like so much more clearly because like Kane says that in a single line and you're just like oh yeah three times sixty three uh huh sure 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 and then when you do the math three times sixty three and they only have a third left that's a hundred and twenty people that have been brutally murdered mm-hmm. but just because you landed here yeah so like you said in your summary for anybody who hasn't seen lost first of all you know what i'm gonna say watch lost watch lost (laughs) um it truly is the blueprint you deserve a you deserve a showrunner that cares about you damon lindelof is my friend um (laughs) is i i did meet him and he was very nice to me i can confirm he's a very nice man who cares about you anyway in season two there is an episode uh, 207 it's called the other 48 days and basically it is the 48 days since the crash of a completely different group of survivors yeah. um, who are on the other side of the island. and you, From the same event. Like, the exact same days, but on the other side of the island with a different group of people. And, like, you get to see the differences between their um, their uh, experiences, etc. And, like, the way they build a, a group and a society, mm-hmm. like, in that 48 Yeah, days. and, you know, it's and interesting because you know by that point, like, you have met them, and so you know that there's only, like, seven of them left, or, like, five of them left. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to see, like, day one, and you see that there's, like, 20 of them, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, and you know what's coming, you know what's going to happen yeah. and everything, you know, but this time you get to see it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, they have it way worse than the original crew, and you don't even like, really see the original crew at all until, like, you know, they kind of come together, which you know what, you know that happened because it happened a couple episodes ago or whatever. But, like, you know, it's not about them at all. It's about the the other people. And I agree. I think we've been talking about this since season three with multiple people. But, like, having the other 48 days for Farm Station Mm -hmm. was, like, it. Like, the Farm Station people were the Tailies. Yeah. They were. That's the exact same, like, structure concept of, like, this is your own people, but mm-hmm. we've had very different experiences for the we're last five hardened, months. We're more hardened, we're more paranoid, we're mm-hmm. more suspicious, and and there's a reason for that. And, like, you, you need to see the things that have made them this different, because, like, they both came from the same, ex- like, this is even more, these people have even more of a connection than the people who were on the plane crash on, in Lost. Yeah. Because, like, people who were on a plane with I don't know anyone else on a plane with me, except for, like, the one person I'm traveling with. Yeah. So, like, none of these people knew each other, and the only thing they had in common was the plane crash. The the people, well, like, more detail on that on Lost, but, like, basically, the people on the 100, like, these are people you grew up with, and, like, this is is your family, this Mm -hmm. is, like, this is your mom. Yeah. This is the person that taught all of your children earth skills like these are people you have a deep connection with and their worldview and philosophy on how to handle life on this planet has been completely altered and like 180 from your perspective on how to handle life on this planet because of the the vast incredible difference in the last five months that you've experienced so like just telling me that they lost 120 people and not even like making me making me do the math on that one is not gonna sh- like give me enough reason to like feel sympathy for them when they like start doing all of the things that I'm like oh god please don't at later in the season like if I had seen 120 people getting killed over the last five months I would be like yeah start a war bet mm-hmm. so like I 
Like, I can make myself understand why Pike is the way that he is and, like, why he chooses the, like, things that he chooses later in the season that lead him to the point of, like, starting a war and, like, getting on the bad side of basically all the characters that we've learned to love and might be just fantastic in this role. Like, I can, I can do the mental math, but it has way more impact if I'm not doing that work, you are. Mm -hmm. Like, the show is doing the work of showing me how different it has been and how much of a deep impact it has had on these people so that I feel sympathy for them and not just be like, hey, maybe don't do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's this one um, line right before the Taylor episode on Lost Mm -hmm. that like is something that I wanted to bring up that like Michael, who's one of our like main guys who's been here since season one, is like, why y'all acting so weird? Because like the the people who have been terrorizing the Tailies just like like, you know, they've been terrorizing our main guys also, but like mm-hmm. just not in not to that degree. Not to that degree. And so like Michael's like, like, why are you taking this so seriously? Like it's fine. They're not really here or anything, right? He says, What happened to you? They came the first night that we got here. They took three of us. Nothing happened for two weeks. Then they came back and took nine more. They're smart. And they're animals. And they could be anywhere at any time. Now we're moving through the jungle. Their jungle. Just so that you could save your little hick friend over here. And if you think that one gun and one bullet is going to stop them, think again. Um, and Anna kind of just explains what happens to them. But, like, she does she does this thing where she's like, if you think... <laughs> because it's Michelle Rodriguez and she has to, like, be the most dramatic bitch in the entire world. She's like, if you think that one gun and one bullet is going to stop them, think again. <laughs> it's just, like, it's great. And you're like, oh, my God, what happened to these people? And the next episode, they, like... And then you they just see. Like, literally, the next episode, they're like, here you go. And they don't tell us anything about what's happening right now. Like, right. they literally, like, they take us... Like, something really big happens to the like, at the end of the episode before. And all they do is, like, this big plot twist at the end. All they do in the next episode is, like, give us what happened from day one up to that plot twist. Mm -hmm. And, like, the episode after that is when they finally deal with the plot twist. And it's, like, it's great. It's, like, this is exactly what, this is exactly what we needed! (laughs) Like, even if you didn't want to give me a whole entire episode... Like, you could have rearranged things enough at the beginning of, like, this, at the beginning of the season, because there's there's so much, like, air at the end that is just misused. You could have rearranged things enough that, like, for 20 minutes of this episode, mm-hmm. you give me a flashback to what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have done it. Yeah. Anyway, they're like, we lost 123 people to Ice Nation, and Indra's basically like... That's Ice Nation for ya. <laughs> they do be doing that. Oh, well. Uh, congrats. Ice Nation has probably been so terrible in, like, her lifetime that mm-hmm. she's just like, 63 is a lot. Yeah, good for you that you have that many. So, Kane introduces her as the leader of Tree, tree Crew and a trusted ally, which is true. Mm-hmm. And Kendra writes. <laughs> <laughs> and Pike is like, okay. I love their friendship. Like, it's it's so good. And, like, it carries through um until he mm-hmm. straight up dies. Yeah. But, yeah, I love I love their friendship and like it's a it's a good connection that has 
woven through like season two and into season three, like that makes sense for them to have that connection and allyship as a both as a friendship and as a political connection in season three. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, well, we have somewhere to be but go to Arcadia. And so he sends everybody except for Pike and Hannah are coming with them to find Clark because Hannah's like, I'm not leaving my son. And I'm like, if I was Monty, I'd be like, good, don't leave me, mommy. <laughs> Please. Also, like, how did they, did Kane give them coordinates? Or did, like, one of Kane's guys go back with him? Because I don't remember us having extra guys. No, we didn't have extra guys. I think they definitely had something, but I don't remember what it was. There was definitely an explanation, though. They, like, he definitely was like, do this. Here, map quest um, directly to my right. wife. Yeah. Here you go. So now we go into, back into Nyla's trading post, and she's getting, like, obliterated by this giant man. I've noticed, like, some grounders just have, like, this ridiculously low voice. And, like, it's, <laughs> and, and whenever they do, it's always the exact same voice. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. It's, it, well, it's, a. Uh, kind of like it's a bit racist mm. because it's like a savagery kind of like thing mm -hmm. and it's probably like a direction thing too to like make them seem like scary and evil mm -hmm. but yeah yeah bit bit bad and it's, but 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 but, the, but they're never even any different like it's always right. just the exact same voice well and like <laughs> i guess it's because like usually it's a background they, yeah they just person, use like so they like, yeah. get the same direction every time yeah or they use like a vocoder like the exact same like <laughs> The exact same, like, pitch pitch on it every single time. Also, uh, can I just say, like, the, the violence against Nyla in this scene, like... A lot. It's gratuitous, mm -hmm. almost. Like, I get it. Like, I've been saying, show me, show me why. Mm -hmm. So I get it. But also, like, we reveal later that she's half Ice Nation. So, like, oh my god, I forgot about that. That makes no freaking hecking sense. Oh my god. That was dumb. So, like, if she's half Ice Nation and half... For Trinker, what? Like... Why did, did they, they do that? Did they have to hide the Ice Nation part? Is that why, like... I think okay. so. I don't know. Whatever. I that That's not canon to me. That <laughs> Half of season seven isn't canon to me. Anything um, after season five is not canon. Yeah. So, Indra says that he's a bounty hunter, but I'm like, but from what clan? Like, Ice Nation? Because Rowan is working for Lexa. Right, but the other Ice Nation people are trying to get her for Naya. Right, but did Naya, was Naya like, let me send some more Ice Nation people? Or was she like, this bounty hunter is the best bounty hunter? Yeah, he's tree crew, but he don't have any uh, any morals, so let's just get him to do it, I guess, or something? I don't know. Uh, well, I think Naya probably just put a bounty out on mm -hmm. one Hedda. Oh, sure. In and general. Then just anybody who wanted to can go out and look yeah, for Yeah, and, and Lexa probably also has a similar bounty out. Right. Um, And Lexa's is like, bring her to me unharmed. Mm -hmm. And... Naya probably also wants her un like not necessarily yeah, unharmed but alive. Yeah. So that like she can kill her in a mm -hmm. display. Well, I'm just saying that because um Nyla says that the bounty hunter said that Roan was his partner. Mm. So like but I think that Roan specifically went to Lexa with this deal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, think that, yeah, I, don't I know. think that this guy saw Roan. Because Roan was with some guys for sure. Oh, maybe, I think that maybe Roan, because Tree Crew wouldn't have accepted an Ice Nation, like, partner. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. These guys are probably Ice Nation, and they probably want her for Naya. Right. And maybe Roan probably, like, used them to, like, get as far as he did, and then once he, like, had her, had her close enough, he, like, ditched them. It feels like, it feels like people know that there is an Ice Queen. Mm-hmm. 
but they don't necessarily know what anybody looks like because like obviously like you said <laughs> they don't have any internet or anything right so like all they really have is like drawings mm-hmm. so like it feels like ice nation people should know what roan looks like and should know what naya looks like but like nyla isn't going to recognize roan because everyone i think knows that there is an ice queen and knows that there is like an ice prince or whatever but doesn't necessarily know what they look like sure that makes sense unless you're like in the room with the other like uh what does lexa call it the other people from each like the delegates the delegates from yeah each the of the clans, clans. Yeah. The clan leaders. Yeah. I, yeah, there's a level of knowledge I feel like that would probably be passed down, mm-hmm. but also like, yeah, like you said, there's only so, so much of a system yeah. of communication that you can have mm-hmm. with visuals even. So he almost cuts off Nyla's hand. It's the hand with the bracelet. Ooh, um, dramatic. Didn't that, they say at some point in season one that they would like cut off their hands to get them off if they, if they had to or something like that? Um, I, I seem to, I feel like I remember that. Well, I think that Bellamy says he'll cut off Will's hand. Okay, right. Yeah, I knew Will's there was like something about cutting off hands and it was like specifically the hand with the bracelet. So I thought there was yeah. like some sort of parallel there. Like Bellamy was having everyone take them off and Will's was like, yeah, fat chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bellamy was like, bet. I love you, Wells. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. So they, like, kill the guy, and uh, Indra starts talking to Nyla and Trig, and Pike demands for them to speak English. And I'm like, what Like, what, ex- what do you think? Like, I know that he's very suspicious of grounders. Sure. But, like, what do you think Indra's telling Nyla to do? Like, what do you think that this beat-up girl is gonna do with, like, this one person yeah. with her? Like, she's literally gotten the crap kicked out of her. She's Indra's just trying to, like, make her comfortable. But, like, it would also be, like, interesting if... Indra specifically chose to speak in Trig, not just to make Nyla comfortable, but also to like, because she clearly doesn't trust Pike yet and like Mm -hmm. for good reason. So it would be interesting if Indra also chose to speak in Trig to comfort Nyla, but also to, if Nyla decided to reveal information that was like important and like not to be trusted with Pike, then she would have like Mm -hmm. done it in Trig. Which is probably what makes him uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that it's very clear that Pike's thing is, like you said before, is xenophobia. Mm -hmm. And they're they're trying to tell that story. However, they've like specifically endeared us to the grounders so far now. And so they're trying to make Pike look like the bad guy. Right. They do it well because I, he makes me very angry like the (laughs) entire time. Yeah. But like, and I, it just sucks because yes, Pike is, I I mean, I guess we can use the word racist, kind of. I think it's, I think xenophobic is more. So like, Pike is really xenophobic about it. Yeah. And like. Like it plays as racist because like when you say speak mm -hmm. English in our world, it's because like you're an asshole who's being racist against someone speaking a different language. But it's just confusing because like, I'm like, what exactly were you trying to do? Like writers, because yes. Like, it comes off as, as like, racist adjacent. Mm-hmm. But, and we like the grounders. Or we like some of the grounders, you know? So we're able to be, like, okay, like, I, t- I can tell what story you're telling that, like, racism is stupid because look at these people are real people and blah, blah, blah. You know? Like, I see exactly what you're trying to do there. But they give Pike such a good reason to be racist. <laughs> you know, like he tells his story about why he's, ra- I'm using the word racist, even though we all know that I mean xenophobic. He's like, basically like, hi, I'm racist. And this is the reason why I've been racist. 
and the reason why he's racist is like a good reason because all half like, everyone two thirds of his people are dead. So I'm like, what story are you telling? Like I I'm confused because you're like being racist is bad, but you're also like, but some people have reasons to be racist. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's just like they. Once again, they want to comment on something and they just handle it really poorly by like just not fully fleshing out like either side of the story. Yeah. And it's just like they are trying to make us dislike Pike, which works Mm -hmm. and they should. And like, but they also try to sympathize us to him later because like Mike Beach is so fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's odd. Yeah. And it's a, and they're like, oh, people contain multitudes. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, is he a bad guy or not? Like, there's there's some things where, like, okay, we make bad decisions, and then there's some ideologies that are just bad. Yeah, like racism and xenophobia. Exactly. Which are, like, straight up bad in reality and on television. Mm-hmm. And then, but, like, I feel like the the thing that, that Jason in particular was obsessed with doing on The 100 was presenting both sides as if they are equal. Yeah. So, like, that's, I think that is what he's trying to do here is say that xenophobia is bad, which it is, but also Pike's had a bunch of people murdered by grounders, so he's also valid, and he wants us to, like, specifically have this conversation Mm -hmm. where we, he thinks, for a second, we consider that xenophobia is good, but no, it's not. Like, yeah. (laughs) Like, he, he, he just wanted to... He, he wanted to play devil's advocate. Yeah. With literally his entire storytelling. And, and we don't, the devil doesn't need, yeah. uh, the devil doesn't need your help. Yeah. So. So basically, Pike's like, speak English. And Kane's like, chill, dude. Like, like rain it in, bud. It's fine. They're like, hey, like we're at looking- this point, Kane can probably speak yeah. uh, at least a little bit of. Well, Bellamy can. We saw and him Bellamy do it definitely last, can. Yeah, uh, last episode. So they're like, hey, like we're Octavia looking- speaks the most, I think, still. Yeah, but yeah. So they're like, hey, we're looking for Juan Hedda, and I was like, no kidding. Like, uh, yeah, I, I got a, that part. A lot of people are, and she realizes that they're also Sky Crew, which is why she tells them because she knows that they're not going to go and kill Clark. Right, because they're looking for her for good reasons, yeah. whereas like the guy who just kicked her ass. Yeah. Is looking for her for bad reasons. So Clark did not tell Nyla where she was going, but that guy gave her some idea and said that Rowan came back for her. Monty says that he found tracks, but they can't take the rover. They have to go on foot, basically. Yep. And that sucks because this is like the last time they used the rover and Bellamy had to like hobble back, like back this far, I guess. Oof, yeah. With his messed up leg. I'm um, assuming that like they, when they catch up to him, they like carry him. Right. Or like at least support him on mm-hmm. either side. Like I imagine Kane and Monty are... On one on each side. Yeah. So Monty asks about his dad again, but Hannah doesn't want to talk about it. If I were Monty, I would want to know. Oh, for sure. So I'm I glad would, that we figured out. I wouldn't need to know. And I like, I get it that Hannah like doesn't want to tell the story. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, she doesn't want Monty to know that like he'd been like murdered so brutally and, mm-hmm. and that he had hardly gotten to see the ground at all. Yeah, that's really sad. Ugh, we needed a Tailies episode. We needed it. So Pike's like, hey, you guys were being attacked by grounders. And so Bellamy says that they had a common enemy, which was Mount Weather. Mm -hmm. Um, They won against the mountain. Then they hear the war drums and they see those dead Asgeta dudes that Rowan killed. Um, And Asgeta is going to think that they killed their guys, so they need to hide them. I just want to say that I like the way that, um, that Bellamy plays the, like, moment of... 
when Pike's like, what happened? Mm-hmm. When he starts talking about it. Like, how, like, like, yeah, like how, he, how, how could you guys have possibly been on the same side? Like, all he says is, we won. Yeah. Uh, after he says that they had a common enemy. But you can tell there's so much grief about, like, how they won that, like, he doesn't, it doesn't feel like they won anything. Yeah. Um, I think what Pike needs is a Levitt-style memory <laughs> watcher <laughs> so that you can see what everyone went through and go, oh... And and you we need it. that for, for the. I'm for like, did Levitt station. watch Octavia like make out with Lincoln at the beginning of this episode? Oh my god! So Bellamy sees Clark and tries to run after her. Um, they're gonna let them pass and then go get her. Um, but of course, obviously Bellamy's not into it. Um, they find a cave and they go in there. Um, and Indra says that she has to leave because the Ice Nation is breaking the rules and she has to go tell Alexa, mm-hmm. which is great because then later when she's like, I've learned that, you're like, well, how did you know? And then you're like, oh, Indra's in the back. Right. So she made her way there. And it tracks with with what we know about Bellamy so far. Yeah. That he would just straight up, like, go and do his own thing because, mm-hmm. like, that's what he's been doing since season one. Like, even in season two, he was going to go after like the other people that are missing or whatever mm-hmm. but then he gets literally gets like permission right. from Abby that's on, on the down low mm-hmm. to like go do it anyway so he was going to do it either way and then yeah he, yeah so it makes sense that he would just straight up like be like yeah I'm not listening to you guys mm-hmm. goodbye <laughs> so they get into the cave and Bellamy's like freaking out because every second is farther away that Clark is mm-hmm. um and little does he know they're also staying still so you're yeah. actually fine <laughs> worry not friend um Kane and Pike are on the same page that Bellamy needs to chill then Bellamy looks at the dead Ice Nation guys and gets an idea so that's kind of like a very small amount of foreshadowing that happens mm-hmm. like this episode so Monty asks Hannah again what happened to his dad and she explains they landed in the snow that it's like ice nation territory the snow absorbed their impact which is why everyone survived but then hannah gets choked up so pike has to continue um they said that the kids were playing in the snow and then they started getting killed and so 15 kids died or are they saying there were 15 kids in all there were 15, 15 kids died there were 15 kids playing okay there were 15 kids playing and four of them were saved by monty's dad who was killed for pulling the children in mm-hmm um, while pulling the children in. Yeah, like, while, not, yes. not necessarily like, because he was doing it. Right. And here's the thing. <laughs> I think this scene is so... This scene is obviously, you know, what they're saying is terrible. But there is one bit of humor in it, for me specifically. Henry Ian Cusick is in this scene. And so he's just sitting there listening to them spout off these r- seemingly random numbers. Mm-hmm. However, uh, if you guys aren't familiar, um, there are some really important numbers in Lost. I do have them tattooed on my calf, um, so I can go ahead here, Sam. If you'd like to, if you'd like to read them, if you don't mind, they are um, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, and forty-two. So listen, they. I think they say. I think they say fifteen first. Yeah. So they say fifteen, and I'm like, haha, that's one of the lost numbers. And if there had just been one of the lost numbers, I would have just let it slide. But then they say four, which is another one of the lost numbers, and it's not like. Henry Ian Cusick's character just happened to be on Lost. Mm-hmm. Those numbers are extremely important to his character. Like, it's right. something that he's constantly thinking about. It's, like, something really, really important to the character. So I thought it was funny that they used two Lost numbers. And then later they say they got 40, 42 out of Mount Weather. <laughs> and I was like, are y'all just reciting Lost numbers at Ian? <laughs> I wonder if, like, whoever wrote this one was, like, haha, funny joke mm-hmm. because he's in all these scenes. Or if, like, or, like, was it happenstance? 
I think that if it, if they had or just did, said 15, I would have let it go. If they had done 15 and 4, I would have been like, coincidence. But the fact that then they also do 42, yeah. is I'm like, this... Like, there are so many numbers yeah, in the world. Yeah, and you picked 3 out of 6 of the important ones to Ian. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was really funny. Like, it's not that, it's not even just that he was in Lost. It's that those numbers were extremely important to his character specifically. So I thought it was funny that, like, they just kept spouting Lost numbers and Ian just (laughs) had to sit there like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Sure, this number means nothing to me. Yeah. (laughs) But either way, Monty's dad was killed when he got back, when he went back for the fifth and he died a hero. They try and say that some grounders are good. It's just that Ice Nation sucks and Pike's like, I don't care. He's like, I haven't seen any of them be good Mm -hmm. yet, so um, prove it. So Monty tells his mom the horrors that he performed in in Mount Weather and Pike thinks it's it was a good thing. Yeah. They use it for supplies and Pike thinks that's dumb and they should use it as a fortress instead. Unlike Jackson, Kane totally gets the politics of it. Yep. And explains why they can't do that. Pike believes that the Grounders are going to break the truce anyway, so they might as well break the truce first, which is not great. That Shoot first is not a good strategy, yeah. I gotta say. Like, then you're just the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and then that's when Monty realizes that Bellamy is gone. So we get the reveal that Bellamy is, like, dressed as an Ice Nation guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's completely going the wrong way, so a random guy, like, stops him and, like, turns him around. <laughs> <laughs> And I just think it's funny because that that guy probably was like, "What an idiot!" Like this ding dong. Come on, Bill, we're going the other way, man. Get it together, buddy. And so Bellamy's like, oh yeah, I'm totally marching in the right way. Ha, just kidding. <laughs> and starts going the other way again. He finds a little spot that they're hiding and the words on the wall say, Star Spangled Banner, Triumph Shall Wave. And um, Sam, you want to talk about what that was? I haven't, I didn't put in the effort that I did um, five years ago when yeah. I initially watched this for this specific episode. But I know at the time we figured out that this was a entrance to the metro system in DC, which is a very effective metro system, uh, like of public transportation with underground trains, similar to like the metro in New York, the subway in New York, which is probably like the most iconic one. And like, I think they have one in Atlanta too. But basically we had figured out that this was an entrance to one of the metro tunnels. And I assume that, or I think we're safe to assume that that is how Roan gets Clark to Polis without being detected because there's another one like right under Polis. Like there's a sign in the, mm-hmm. in the like marketplace uh, for the Metro. So um, yeah. Can I talk about something gross and scary? You may. That I was thinking about. I'm sorry. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. <laughs> hmm. Are you sorry? No, but I'm also, I have a question. And I I don't necessarily want to see this on this show, but it's a question that I have. Okay. Do you think that the bombs and the radiation, I'm wondering where all the decomposing bodies are. I know, I know that it's from over a hundred years ago, but where was everybody when all the bombs dropped? Like, like no one's here. And I'm like, you know, we were talking about that parking garage. There's gotta be somebody in there that died from radiation that's like still sitting in there. And like- well, this, like, metro system, I think that, like, this, obviously it hasn't actually, like, crumbled, crumbled. If he has that map, I assume he's trying to go through the tunnels, you right. know? And like so the tunnels... Overla- I remembered we overlaid the map with, like, yeah. a real map. Oh, so good. But, like, 
I'm just wondering if Clark and Roan were walking through these tunnels and they come across this abandoned subway car. Is this abandoned subway car filled with radioactive, like, people who died from radiation and are just, like, have been there for a hundred years? Like, where are all the bodies? Well, if they've been there for a hundred years, even if they just died from radiation and not, like, being vaporized immediately when the bombs fell... Or, like, they were probably irradiated immediately with the bombs fell if they were trapped in the subway station or in the car. But uh, if it's been 100 years, even if they died from radiation, they would just be bones now. Sure, but where are the bones? Like, we see like them. They, you, you could for sure walk past a, um, a subway car full of bones. Yeah, that's what, like, that's what I'm wondering. And, like, I know that the only time I, I feel, feel like, like we ever see the bones are in, like, the second dawn bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's where it's all, like, piled up in one spot. I feel like because the terrain of the, like, world has changed so much because it's been a hundred years of the world, like, recovering from that, probably, like, overtook the bones of people before that they could, like, really come back out. And I guess that's probably something that would have been covered more in the pilot that didn't get picked up. (laughs) Sure. No, you're totally right. Like, I feel like, uh... Like, I know that we see, we see that, that person, uh, in Egypt getting totally just, like, straight up vaporized and blown away. But, like, if you're, like, kind of protected in the subway or in that parking garage, then I don't think you just get blown away. But, yeah, I'm just, like, wondering where all of the decomposing bodies are, basically. I I think at this point it's all just bones. Yeah. So even then, the bones were either, like, overtaken and, like, grown over, like, so they're, like, buried through the natural course of time. Or, like, probably once Callie and her, like, the origins of the grounders, like, moved out, probably, like, had mass burial sites, Mm -hmm. maybe, to, like clear the way and like but they can't have gotten everywhere like I get that for sure like I just like I get that if like they were just like outside and the grass and the dirt took them or whatever but that parking garage has to have some people sitting in the in their cars sure and we never saw that I don't think Mm -hmm. anyway if you've watched Lost you're in the know and I just want to know where the Roger Workmans are (laughs) thanks yeah okay subway so Bellamy finds Clark and promises to save her. Clark warns him he gets hit by Roan. Um, Clark promises to stop fighting if he spares Bellamy. Uh, it was probably better for her if he hadn't come. But yeah. it was also probably good for her like mental health to see him after three months as well. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, so this and then the person who kills Bellamy is you. And like ultimately. I saw, I think I literally saw on Twitter the other day, like someone tweeting that gif of like her saying, please don't kill him. Yeah. And then... And then she, she yeah. kills him. Um, like, and then, yeah, lastly in this yeah. scene, he, uh, he injures Bellamy so he can't follow them. Mm-hmm. Great scene. I, I feel, oh, yeah. yeah, I, uh, very exciting. It's nice. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's been, if you're binging, it, it hasn't been a time jump at all. <laughs> um, but it's been a hiatus. And so it's like nice to see them together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the closest I personally ever got to shipping Bellark. I don't have any problems with any relationships on the show that are consensual or in fandom that are consensual. So yeah, but this is the this is the closest I ever got personally to shipping Bellark. It's a great scene. Um it's a it's a very well done scene. Like the 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 way he like slowly comes down the stairs and he's like surprised to see her and then like gently just like takes the little like gag out of her mouth and like promises to he he's very tender with her here. <laughs> are bro, are we about to kiss right now, bro? <laughs> He's very, he's very tender with her here, which is, like, 
endearing because like men being soft is more attractive than not. Especially in like a big dystopian action type setting. But then Rowan comes in and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. Yeah. And she's like, don't. And like anyone else, it's it's very good. Like and her on her end, it's like it's good to see her like begging for his life. Because mm-hmm. like we've and seen, I'm sad that it like rewatching it now. I'm like this doesn't have the same effect on me because I know you kill him. Yeah. So it's it's nice because all throughout like this whole episode, um, Bellamy's like right been right on their trail and has been like obsessed with finding her. Right. So you know where mm-hmm. Bellamy stands. Right. He stands because he stands at the precipice of just, like, needing to find Clark because he cares about her. Yeah. Um, and so it's nice that when he finally does, it's, like, you get to see that she also still cares about him. Right. You know, coming off the heels of that kiss on the cheek, am I right, ladies? <laughs> um, it's so weird to, like, think about this, like, going backwards because we haven't covered that yet. But, yeah. like, that's already happened. So it's like, oh, wait, yeah, that already happened. It really feels like Billark... I- Storytelling-wise, Bellark should have been Endgame. Uh, you know, like, the arc of, like, their relationship throughout the show until season seven, obviously, um, was that Bellark was supposed to be Endgame, I think. Well, I... They sprinkled so much. Sure. I support you, like, especially at this point in the show. Like, yeah. I personally think there's things in later in season three that... I don't think they can recover from as sure, a sure. romantic relationship. Yes, yeah. From from my opinion, like, I, I, if you want to keep shipping them, that's totally fine, everybody, from my perspective. But definitely up until this point, like, yeah. it felt like that they were toying with going there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like it was always an option and then things happened behind the scenes that uh, made it no longer the choice that Jason wanted to make. You should always value your story over top of drama of like personal drama i hate that that happened Mm -hmm. i feel bad like it just feels crappy to know that that was the reason why oh um, yeah why like this long long game like slow burn didn't happen was just because jason was a jerk yeah basically like like from my perspective i would have loved to have seen clark and lexa be in game sure as well and it's just like there were so many choices made in that writer's room that didn't benefit the story for fans of either relationship or fans of like anybody on the show like fans of clark fans of bellamy fans of lexa like in general that just backfired Mm -hmm. so much yeah um so for the last uh scene that we'll be talking about today basically bellamy somehow gets himself up those stairs because there aren't (laughs) any escalators uh, at least no no escalators that are working at this time i feel like there's at least a handrail yeah so he can probably like haul one leg up and like hop while he drags the other because you know he can't bend yeah. it. The, the world that we live in right now, the concept of like grabbing onto a handrail <laughs> with like both hands and like probably putting your face near it too just mm-hmm. like horrifies me. Yeah. Um. So Kane shows up and everybody shows up and Kane's like, you got some explaining to do, buddy. What the heck happened here? Pike won't follow Roan now because he knows that, that they're following them and they lost the element of surprise. And that it would be... be- Completely worthless. Um, and Monty doesn't want to go anyway because Bellamy's basically just going to die out there if they don't, like, get him some help. Mm-hmm. Um, Bellamy refuses to lose Clark, and Monty promises they'll find her, but, like, this isn't the way, and Bellamy concedes to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, like, at this point, you can definitely tell, like, if you want to read it romantically, that Bellamy has feelings for Clark. Yeah. And then, like, it takes a turn, probably, I think, in the next episode when she chooses not to come back. Right. 
where he's like, okay, oh. fine, it's not like that. Right. There's, like, so many seeds in um, in season two for Bellarc 2, I think. Like, especially the part where, um, you know, they're talking about, like, if you, like, uh, love is weakness, etc. and stuff. And then Clark then is like, Bellamy, go into the mountain because, I sorry, I was being weak because I cared about you or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, like, there was a lot, I think. And then, like, it just sort of, like, petered off because Jason didn't want to do it, basically. Yeah. Like, my, I think the reason that I didn't ever, like, fully personally ship Bellar mm-hmm. was because I, it took me so long to like Bellamy because in right. season one, I was like, he was so against Clark. I was like, stop. Yeah. That is my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was just like, and his system of like, for me, didn't work. And I like was rooting for her, which is part of what they wanted me to do. And then partly they wanted me to like root for both of them. And so I think that the reason it never like clicked for me is because it took me so long to like even like him in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then like season three comes and it's like a brief flicker in the night. And I'm like, oh, I, I get why people are into that. And then they bring Lexa back in at the end of this episode. And I'm like, anyway, yeah. the gays. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I probably, like, like this was when I, like, wasn't really in the fandom. Like, I, we didn't have a podcast about it until season three. Yeah. And so, like, I probably, like, actively shipped Bellark until, like, what you were talking about. Like, the thing uh, when he, like, handcuffs her to yeah. the thing in Arcadia. Oof. That sucked. And so I think, like, I probably, like, I, I took a way, like, a backseat on that. So, you yeah. know, the stuff that happens... uh uh, end of season four, beginning of season five, where she's like calling him all the time, and then they mm-hmm. come down, and she, you know, she's like, "Oh, she must be really important." And he's, "Oh, she is," or whatever, you know, right? Like that's that, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that's good stuff. Like I was still like, you know, when that happened, I was like, "All right, hey, they're mm-hmm. still here. Maybe they'll do it," you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like I really took a backseat on the um, on the Bell Arc train after like that thing that happened um, in yeah this season with the hand handcuffs in Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Let's do something that's completely impossible. <laughs> Murphamy's way more important than all of this. So <laughs> that's just the life that I lead now. Well, Murphamy at the end of season, at the end of this season, gets so good. <laughs> so like, I respect you. Thank you. Uh, like my, my initial like ideal set of end games mm-hmm. for the hundred was Cabby, obviously, mm-hmm. then Clexa, and then I really liked Braven, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we'll talk about in season one mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'll talk about it probably some this season because yeah. uh there's just some some crumbs. Mm-hmm. But I would also happily accept uh accept Murphy in there mm-hmm. for Braven and have Raven like date girls. I think uh, take Raven and Amori then. Hell yeah. You know? I yeah. Whenever Murphy and Bellamy are together, they're so much. When they're apart, they don't know each other exists. <laughs> like, my Murphy moment is severely lacking until they find each other. But, like, whenever they're together, there's, like, so much. Like, even just in season one, right? Like, there's yeah. there's a lot. So, I'm excited. Oh, God. Every time I think about Murphy, I think about that moment in season six when Bellamy put his hand on Murphy's shoulder. Oh, and he, yeah. like, rubs his hand on his shoulder. And they, like, have, like, this, like, moment where they look at each other. And I'm like, deep hello. Or, and that part when, Mur- when Murphy, when Bellamy's going crazy from, like, the red sun toxin. Mm-hmm. And Murphy's like, hey, we're just two guys. Just two or, like, guys, two guys who, moon. Yeah, two guys who love... You guys love, love each, other. each other on a moon. And I'm like, all right. Oh, thanks. so you love him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and like the the part where they're all, cha- like they've handcuffed themselves in season six, like pre-Red Sun Toxin, yeah. like before the three of them like get out. Uh, and <laughs> Murphy's basically like, hey, Clark, 
here's every terrible thing that you ever did that upset me and like you killed all these people then and like you were directly responsible and Bellamy's like hey I was kind of also a little bit responsible yeah, for that one too. and he's like no not you you could never do anything wrong you're perfect yeah Exactly. Shut up. Oh Don't my God. say anything bad about yourself. Listen, there was a lot of things about season six that I did not care for, but, like, the <laughs> amount of Murphy Me stuff in season six was fantastic. Like, yeah. they, they, like, Especially just, like, the first, they go, like, two <laughs> episodes. It's so they good. Go, they go, and they just, like, sit in the tavern in the bar and just, like, yeah. giggle at each other. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, this is not a season six podcast. Thank God. If you'd like <laughs> to hear me talk about that when it was actually happening, feel free to go and listen to our season six podcast. Let's go into segments, Sam. We can do that, Robin. So my first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is my favorite line award. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite line award goes to Clark and Roan for... If you were going to kill me, you would have done it already. There's still time. Oh, Roan, you sassy little guy. You scallywag. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and my segment is, what is Sam shipping the most? And um, I contain multitudes. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to Bellark because wow. of uh, of that scene. But also honorable mention to Klexa because of the gay tension in the final moments of the episode. Just so much gay tension. But also so much uh, romantic tension in the, in the Bellark scene. So... I, was I contain to, multitudes. I was trying to think. I was like, are there any other ones that you could do? First of all, Linktavia has some stuff this episode. Sure, sure, sure. But I was like, you know what? We were, we'd be remiss to not bring this up. And I'm sad that I didn't at the time. But um, like the relationship between Octavia and Jasper, like sure. Jasper had like, had like a huge crush on Octavia. Mm-hmm. And like, I just really love the, um, the evolution of those characters and how they've like gr- kind of grown together. And I think yeah. that's really nice. And like typically for my, um, for my segment, I will usually focus on romantic pairings. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I, I'll point out a friendship like that mm-hmm. and I'm glad you did. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, who else, who else is close to each other? <laughs> and I was just thinking about that. And I was like, oh, I forgot to talk about I that. I was like, we're, I'm waiting till, um, next episode, at which point I will not shut up about Cabby probably yeah. for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, and my other segment is Robin's Murphy moment. Unfortunately, once again, they were away from each other, mm-hmm. um, so I guess I'm going to recycle last episode's Murph and Me moment, which is just that I'm sure they're thinking of each other. And like we said last <laughs> episode, if Bellamy had like caught a glimpse of Murphy in the same way that he's catching the catching a glimpse of Clark mm-hmm. like this, I think he would have gone just as crazy like trying to get Murphy back. I and that's just the feeling that I have. I want to see that romantic tension. Exactly. I want to see him gently remove a gag from Murphy's mouth and then Murphy be like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, bro. <laughs> He's like, he'd be like, how dare you put yourself in danger for me? Exactly. <laughs> well, since there, since this, all this already happened, we don't have a trailer to watch. Um, So I guess the episode is over. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. Um, Even if you just want to leave those little stars or like, you know, wherever you listen, that would be cool. Thank you so much to our lovely roommate, Brittany. Yeah, she sat in her room and we appreciate her. Yeah, we appreciate her patience uh, during this time. We know how much you guys loved having her just like sit in the background for last episode. Um, We asked her if she wanted to be on this one and she declined uh, which is fine because she's not one of the main hosts. Yeah, and some of the episodes are too uh, yeah. stressful for her. She just didn't want to do it. Um, we know that you guys would respect that, and so mm-hmm. it's fine. But she's going to come on whenever she feels like coming on, and we love her for that. Yeah. 
Um, Brittany also wants you guys to know that she loves you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, <laughs> we like to talk about that <laughs> show too. We have done all of the episodes that are currently available. Um, <laughs> so all of season one, two, three, four, and um, we are currently in the middle of season five. I have no idea in the many weeks to come until this comes out what has happened. But <laughs> currently we just had a time jump and I am absolutely thrilled. I'm having the best time. It's so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. Really, really dumb. So if you're looking for real dumb stuff, that's where you find it. Lots of good jokes and fun times to be had on that pod. Speaking of fun times, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we're currently covering season three uh, in the long and arduous wait for season four. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll have, by the end of season three, we'll have gotten season four. Stranger Things is one of my favorite pods to talk on. We're currently covering my favorite season of Stranger Things. So go check it out. Yes, and we've already covered my favorite season. So there's <laughs> lots of good stuff over there. Yeah. If you're a fan of Lost, which obviously I have talked about a lot on this podcast, <laughs> when do I not? We like to talk about that show too. We did all of season one, all of season two. We are in the middle of season three right now. Um, I think by the time, yeah, when this comes out, the next podcast that's going to come out is an episode for Stranger in a Strange Land. And it is known as the worst episode of Lost. <laughs> um, like even the showrunners have been like, yeah, sorry about that one. Like it's really, <laughs> it's just not good. Um, I'm honestly looking forward to that podcast to try and make sense of that mess of an episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, it is spoiler free until a spoiler section at the end. So if you want to watch for the first time with us, you can. And we also have guests over there. So if you're a fan of the show, hit me up and I'll find an episode for you to be on. Excellent. If you're a fan of Star Trek, I love to talk about that show too. We have a podcast covering season one of Star Trek Picard. Brittany and I have further plans to discuss some of the other Star Trek series that we love. Like we loved season three of Discovery. We thought it was a perfect season of television. Um, so we'll probably have something to do with that. And then um, we also both love Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek TNG. So we'll probably touch on those a little bit in a bit of a, a different format than some of our other podcasts uh, go through episode by episode. Um, but the Star Trek world is a little bit oversaturated with mm. that sort of thing. Um, so we're going to try and come up come up with some fresh perspectives for you that uh, have have stuff to say that uh, needs to be said or something. Um, <laughs> or something. So, yeah, or something. Or just feels fun to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, so go check that one out if you have watched season one of Star Trek Picard or if you're looking for a place to start with Star Trek, uh, we recommend uh, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter. That's where I mostly post everything, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I try and post on our Instagram stories, but I also post gifts of all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. So follow us over there. And if you're looking for any of our the hundred favorite line awards or any of our favorite line awards from any of the other ones you can usually find them there well you can find them there it just depends <laughs> on how far in i am <laughs> uh, also our patreon like i said earlier our patreon is patreon.com slash the if you like what we do here please consider donating because yikes it's expensive um i already told you some of the perks that you can get including 10 percent off at shoppylux.com at the five dollar tier and that's where britney sells resin art and stickers and i sell fan embroidery i have just a myriad of the hundred designs. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I ended up with so many, but um, they're customs. there. So yeah, definitely customs that people have ordered. So speaking of which, if you want a different yeah. hunter design, she has customs. Yes, open. I, can, I can do just about anything. Please fill my time and 
give my hands something to do while I edit the podcast. (laughs) That would be great. I would appreciate that. But if you can't do that, recommending us to a friend is great. This podcast exists, and we also just gave you four other podcasts that we have that you can recommend to your friends. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S A M C A S E Y S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y, pretty much everywhere. Our next episode is episode 303. It's Ye Who Enter Here. Um, it comes out to the public on April 28th, but you can have it on Patreon on April 21st if you want it. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>